obviously. Um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I always have been. And to be there at that game with my teammates and for us to bring, you know, our gold medals to to there and share it with everyone in this area was really, really special for me. And just the support and it's been tremendous from everyone in this area. And you could feel that there at that game. Welcome to Sports on the Hill podcast. Hashtag DC Sports Without the Politics with Carol and Robbie on True Radio Network. Live in the lab, got Robbie G on already. I'm setting up my Periscope feed now, so bear with me. We had a little, I hit a wrong button, screwed up the whole intro, but hey, Robbie's a genius, and when he Puts it out there. I know he'll have it all fixed and everything because, you know, sometimes I'll just be making mistakes sometimes. But uh, since no intro, I guess I'll go ahead and go to Robbie G. How are you doing tonight? Let me turn my feed on. I'm doing good. I'm just checking to make sure that uh, all our stuff is going live, and it looks like we are. Um, uh, but uh, oh, I didn't know if I would be home. Okay, anyway, Hurt, Hurt just wondered if he could be on the show tonight. So maybe we might have a guest appearance of him. Um uh, as part of our football. I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, I, well, breaking sure. news. Yeah, we can definitely bring him in. Uh, you know, we oh, got oh. Dude, yeah, we got Dujanae on from 8 to 8.20. We can always bring in Hurt at the end of it and fill up till 8.30, then we can go into hockey after that. You see how it is with live shows. You never know what might happen. You know, we don't get this type of info on the air, but hey, it's what we do. Stuff happens, so you're part of the social media family and part of the sports OTSP fans. So you know out of these 193 episodes, we didn't had a couple of hiccups here and there, but hey, it is what it is. It's still the best DC sports coverage you're going to get around. Uh, go check out the website, sportsothp.com for all the latest episodes, links to blogs, to the apparel line. Make sure you go cop the sports OTHP apparel. Hit me up for that inbox with uh, my, our partners, uh, Eric Kusa. Or you can check out the Sports OTHP apparel page and get some of the District of Champions gear. As you see, Robbie, Robbie's rocking right now. You can click on the link and go order that for yourself also. So help support the movement. We appreciate it if you check awesome. out the page. You get the pillow, too. Oh, I and got the pillow. pillow in the back. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. the pillow. So, yeah, nice. you get a pillow. You get a blanket. You get the backdrop like I got behind me. It, it's all, uh, you know, so much stuff that we have on our site. If you've been following my other pages, I've been posting uh, some of the uh, fans of the show that's been supporting and copping some of our gear. So, you know, we appreciate all the love and support that you can give us. So if you can uh, reach out and uh, grab some gear to help support the movement, you know, it'd be greatly appreciated. But uh, Robbie G, how are you doing tonight, man? Carol, I, 
I'm doing okay. I actually realized that my laptop's on the wrong Wi-Fi network, so I'm going to flip that for a second. So why don't you uh, break down the news and notes, you know, with the, some of the intro stuff, and I'm going to flip it real fast. All right, no problem, Rob. Yeah, that's what we do, man. We cover each other. Like I said, I messed up, and you got a glitch. So, hey, that's what we do. We cover each other. But we about to get in the next talk. We already got a room B and Brian B on the line already, so we can break down this next uh, week that was. Unfortunately, it went two and six. Currently, they have a two-game uh, series against Tampa Bay. They're up 3 nothing right now in the top of the fourth. And the first game of the series will start at 6.05. It'll be starting at 6.05 tomorrow night also. But we also had some, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess you can say good news to go with the bad week. Mike Rizzo signed a three-year extension as the team uh, executive or heading of operations or whatever you want to call it. He uh, will be ranked in that position until 2023. If you recall, this contract was up at the end of the, at the end of this season. And there were talks of an extension. Looked like they uh, went ahead and got that deal done. I believe it was uh, Thursday or Friday of last week. Uh, and as ironically, that was, I believe, the day after he somehow got ejected from a game when he was all the way up in the second level suites. But, you know, with no fans in the uh, arenas or the stadiums, uh, the umpires can just about hear any and everything from anybody that's in the stadium at the time. If you recall, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Strasburg, before he went on the IL, he was in the crowd, well, not crowd, in the audience, uh, sitting watching the game, and he was critiquing some of the calls by the home plate umpire. He got ejected. Um, Annabelle Sanchez got ejected. Well, technically, they said it wasn't an ejection, but he asked him, they asked him to leave from sitting in the stadium, and uh, Rizzo was up in the second level luxury boxes and he made a couple of critiques on the umpires and they ejected him for that reason Rizzo hasn't really spoke on it but uh you know how I feel about these umpires and how they feel like you know they're God and folks are coming out to see them and they're getting shown up and all this other stuff so I just feel like that's just another you know uh, it is what it is like I said the stadium's empty so they can hear any and every chirp that a player coach manager whatever says so I just feel like they're super sensitive. What do you think about that situation with our executive getting ejected from a game? Uh, not a, yeah, I think that was that yesterday or Saturday. I can't remember. I think it was Sunday or Saturday. But I, I just I just read the article today, so I it was over the weekend, but I don't remember which game it was. Yeah, I think it was but, yesterday when they lost ten uh, ten to three because uh, it was some. Uh, the pit, I've always talked about how the umpires, uh, the balls and strikes are sometimes a little weary with their calls. So I think he was, you know, chirping in on some of those things. I think he said it was brutal, which is not really a bad word. He, you know, nothing explicit, explicit but uh, the home plate umpire got in his feelings and decided to eject him. How do you feel about this current situation with the, you know, empty stadiums and these umpires throwing out players and managers, coaches, and executives now for having an opinion or chirping about some of their calls um yeah it's kind of crazy uh i it's frustrating right because i think they should pipe in more crowd noise then like if you can hear what one guy is chirping from one box that's probably not enough but i you know obviously they can hear specifically what people are saying now and that's getting people thrown out i guess so i've never seen it happen before but usually they could never hear it um uh so yeah the um 
I don't know. It, it, it's a tough call, right? I don't think that they should be throwing out general managers, but maybe the general manager shouldn't be speaking so loudly that the umpires could hear them. I, it's kind of a tough situation in a lot of ways, but uh, I mean, it, it's an empty stadium. It's basically like, <clears throat> excuse me, basically like an echo chamber. So anything that gets said pretty much get heard with no crowd noise. Uh, you did say that they would should pipe in more uh, crowd noise like they've been doing. Uh, hopefully they can do that to try to drown out because players and coaches and executives are, are in, they live with each and every pitch. So, I mean, if they feel like something isn't just or something isn't getting called right, it's a natural reaction to say something. And, you know, the fact that they're in an empty stadium and can hear basically a pin drop. Yeah, I mean, you're going to put duct tape on everybody's mouth so they can't say nothing. It's, it's kind of crazy to me. Yeah. I, I don't know how loud he was shouting it, right? So that's, I guess, the part that I don't know. If he's, like, screaming it at the guy, yeah. like, I mean, that's a little different than, like, hush breath, like, saying it to himself, right? So like, uh, it sounded like he was screaming it at the guy from what I heard. So if that's the case, then maybe, you know. But if he's saying it, like, just mumbling it to himself and they can hear it and they're throwing him it, that's yeah, – I, I guess I'd have more of a problem with that. But I, I think – I think he's just going to realize he needs to not say it so loudly in, in the future, you know? So uh, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of just a funny story, but you know, I love this story just cause it's like, I love that our GM is so passionate that he's talking shit on the umpires. Uh, I'm sure he would be agreeing with us that we want the electronic strike zone, but um, you know, at, at the same time, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I doubt it happens again. Right. So. I hope not, because, I mean, like I said, you know how I feel about these umpires. Nobody's, well, nobody's in the stadium now to come see them, but they, you know, their ego and they feel like somebody's showing them up or trying to deep, uh, hurt them from doing their job or whatever, and they feel like they need to throw somebody out. It's to me, you know, I understand things get heated sometimes, but because the stadium is empty and, you know, they can hear stuff that they normally wouldn't hear, I just don't feel it's justifiable to be, you know, throwing anybody out. Luckily, it hasn't been any of the active players that have been thrown out of the game in the game to cause an any problems. I mean, they're sitting 14 to 25. So, I mean, they already have enough problems as is, but they haven't had any incidents where any players that was actually in the game that got thrown out. So I guess I really can't complain too much about it with it being the spectators in the stands and, you know, whatever, whatever. But, uh, you know, like I said, I guess it's just my bias toward umpires, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, I guess I give uh, Rizzo a lot of credit for obviously winning us, you know, this nice banner that we've got right behind me. So at the same time, uh, I'm going to give him a pass, right? You know, but I, it's, I obviously think everyone has to represent the organization, right? So, I mean, I guess he's going to have to, I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying though, too. It's like the umpire needs to have thicker skin. Like I get that you're only hearing three people talk, but like at the same time, you got to be like, you know, hey, some stuff you gotta let slide, man. You can't, you can't be. You don't care when the people are saying shit to you, like ten feet away from you, like crowds yelling stuff all the time. You hey. can let you, you choose to let that slide, but you know. But then again, he's not a paying customer. He's like a general manager of a team. So if they know that that's who's saying it, that might be a little different too. You know. Yeah, so. that might be some personal feelings, man. Who knows. <laughs> Uh, I would definitely like to get uh, Brian's in the rooms take with our baseball talk. So you want to get ready to bring them in so I can get their opinion yeah, on, they, they on the Rizzo rejection. They should be able to join in right now. All right. Hey, Brian. Hello, hello. What's going on, Brian B? How you doing tonight, man? I am doing well. I'm had, I had a better week than both the Nationals and the Yankees this week. <laughs> so I can't complain. 
Nice. Glad to hear it, man. Glad to hear it. Room B, what's going on, man? How you doing today? Uh, not much. I'm having a better week than Rizzo, too. I guess we got an <laughs> extension, but better day than yesterday. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So uh, I guess uh, Rune, I go to you and go back to Brian. What do you think about this objection and these umpires throwing out, you know, players and uh, executives that are sitting in the stands, you know, critiquing some of their calls just because the stadium is empty and they can hear almost a rat fart, you know, in the corner or whatever. How do you feel about these umpires throwing out these uh, these folks in the stands? I think it's a little bit passive aggressive because they kicked Rizzo out for not wearing his mask, even though he was yelling at them. And if you're going to kick him out of the game, just say it's for yelling at him, not for not wearing a mask because of COVID. And I guess like the umpires are probably a little bit sensitive because of, um, uh, yeah, the robots are going to replace them soon. Maybe, <laughs> it's already in the back of their mind, huh? <laughs> Brian, what's your take on this? You know how I feel about the umpires. You've always been like a 50-50 guy when it comes to the umpires, you, you know, you, you have more compassion for him than I do. So how do you feel about this situation? Um, I mean, this particular umpire, Joe West, I have no compassion for. I think Joe <laughs> West is a terrible umpire. And um, personally, you know, I actually agree with something Robbie said a minute or two ago when he said that, you know, umpires have no problem when fans are saying stuff to them in the stands. They won't eject fans or anything. They have to sit there and take it. But, you know, in this situation where we have no fans in the stands to – you know, kick out a general manager is, it's just crazy. He was, you know, he was so far away from the field too. He was all the way up in the upper deck basically. And so I just seems, it just seems like a bit of an overreaction in my opinion. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't know that about him wearing the mask, honestly. Um, that that's an interesting story too. I did see uh, when I was watching the highlights today that he wasn't wearing a mask. So I can see why they might, you know, be pissed about that. Cause he should be wearing a mask, but um yeah, you know, I, I have no compassion for Joe West. Joe West is a terrible umpire and a disgrace to the game. He's, he's proven it so many times, time after time. And, um, you know, this is another crazy situation. And actually, after the game, he said that um, even if Donald Trump was in that booth and yelling at him, he would have thrown him out of the game, and he still would have voted for him. So not really yeah. a huge Joe West fan. Yeah, I saw that quote also. And that, I'm not a Joe West fan either. I can't stand him. The same way you do, and then yeah, when I saw that quote, I was just like, uh, that pretty much sums it up right there. I pretty much had the idea that he was probably one of those Trump guys with the way he's uh umpired over the few years with well, the years that I've been watching, uh, when he's been uh umpiring a, a Nats game. So, eh, I, it wasn't a shock to me that he made that comment. It, it, it yeah, <laughs> I wasn't shocked at all. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about him, but it doesn't surprise me. I'll say that. He's never been one of my favorites. He's always kind of made it about him. You know, he's one of those guys that we've talked about in the past where it's just like, he. I think he wants a little bit too much of the spotlight. I mean, the fact that we know his name so well over the years should say everything. You know, like his name has come up a lot. I mean, he is one of historically, a you know, a better umpire for some game management stuff, but, you know, he inserts himself a lot. So not my favorite thing, so. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes uncalled for. Well, we got a full show, so let me go ahead and get ready to get into this breakdown of this past week. Uh, two and six, uh, they were swept by the Phillies in a four-game series, with the, and they uh, split two or uh, four with the Braves, which puts them at 14 and 25. I mentioned they're playing Tampa Bay tonight. They stood up 3 nothing, bottom of the third, no outs, and not sure who's at bat right now. But let me go ahead and break down this 
four-game uh, sweep in the bad way of this Phillies game. And then I'll just go to you guys after this. I'm going to run all four of the games down real quick so we can get through this and get you guys in the NBA uh, talk because I know the playoffs are getting very interesting right now. Um, excuse me, the first game of the series was an 8-6 loss. Uh, Spencer Howard got the win for the Phillies. He went, he's one and one now. He went five innings, giving five hits, two earned runs with four strikeouts and two walks. Eric, home run, giving up Fetty. Uh, he took the loss, going six innings, four hits, six runs, four strikeouts with one walk. He's now one and three. Uh, the Nats did, you know, muster some offense uh, to put up the six runs. They had four home runs, two by Juan Soto, which gives him 11 on the year. Uh, one by Trey Turner, which puts him at seven, and Michael Taylor had his third home run of the season. Uh, the second game of the series and the third game of the series, unfortunately, both were shutouts in a bad way. First uh, game two was Philly, uh, won six to nothing. Aaron Nola, he was dealing, you know, he went eight innings, giving up two hits, no runs with seven strikeouts and three walks. That puts him at four and two. Patrick Corbin, who started out strong uh, this season, uh, Took the loss, which puts him at two and three. He went five innings, giving up five hits, two earned runs with two strikeouts and three walks. Uh, the bullpen gave up, you know, four runs later on. That's been one of the problems with the team. Uh, pitching has been inconsistent from the bullpen and sometimes from the starters. Um, uh, did I mention game three was a three nothing loss? Uh, that game, Zach Wheeler, uh, I believe ex Met, I didn't even know he signed with Philly. He uh, went six and two-thirds, giving him three hits, no earned runs, with six, six strikeouts and two walks. That puts him at 4-0. Uh, Mad Max took the mound. Unfortunately, he took the loss that game, which puts him at three and two. He's actually on the mound tonight. and looks like he'll be coming up shortly because the Nets just closed out the fourth inning without gaining any more runs. Uh, that puts him at three and two. As I said, he went six innings, giving up seven hits, three earned runs, with six strikeouts and three walks. And... Uh, Brandon Workman earned the save for Philly, going one inning, giving up one hit, no runs, one strikeout, and one walk. And the final game of the series, well, I was hoping the Nats would be able to, you know, at least salvage one. Unfortunately, they weren't. They lost the game six to five in extra innings in the 10th. Blake Parker earned the win for the Phillies. That puts him at three and zero. He went an inning, giving up no runs, no hits, with two strikeouts and two walks. Uh, and unfortunately, Sean Doolittle took the loss. He gave the sacrifice fly in the 10th, which was the game-winning run for the Phillies. He went two-thirds of an inning, giving up, as I said, one run. It was unearned. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the error that uh, I didn't even look at what error caused that. But uh, no strikeouts and two walks. It might have been the walk that, you know, manifested into a sacrifice fly later on. I don't know. I didn't even go deep into it. It was such a depressing series that uh, I didn't even really want to delve too deep into it. Uh, Brian, I'll go to you first. Uh, Phillies swept the Nats. Nats didn't look good at all in this series. Philly, you know, pretty much ran roughshod over them. What did you take away from the four-game series? Uh, I mean, pretty much what could go wrong did go wrong for the Nationals. Uh, they were pretty much shut down in this series. The one highlight, I guess you could say, of the series was um, the Trey Turner inside the park home run. And I thought that actually might be the play that actually wakes woke the Nationals up in this series. And, you know, would maybe get them to that win in the fourth game. But um, it actually wasn't. They ended up losing that game, too. Um, just a tough series. Your division rivals um, looking like pretty much a lost season at this point. That's probably, you know, the season killer to get swept by Phillies, who were actually red hot. I actually watched the Phillies win today against the Mets uh, earlier this afternoon. 
So the Phillies have been playing good baseball, but to lose four in a row to them is definitely not good for the Nationals and probably a season killer. I definitely agree. I did forget that. I wrote that down about the uh, Trey Turner two-run inside the park home run. I forgot to mention that. That's like, well, the series was so bad. Even though I wrote it down and wanted to highlight it, I still ended up skipping over it. Arun, what did you uh, take away from this? Uh, as Brian probably put it correctly, the season killer for the <clears throat> for this team getting swept by the Phillies. Yeah, Bryce Harper, uh, before uh, this series and 10 games ago, he said, the Phillies will win nine out of 10 games and they did. And the Nationals at that point had lost nine out of 10 games when the series concluded. The fourth game was pretty winnable. Um, they, um, Robles could have thrown out uh, the catcher of the Phillies at home, but he double clutched the throw. Um, and they had the bases loaded and, um, and they didn't come through, which was unfortunate. Um, we were talking about how the Nats only Corbin and Scherzer are the only ones that pitch well. Well, if you get zero runs, they're not going to get any wins. So that's just the way it goes. And um, I guess the other positive highlight was Soto hit a multi-home run game. Um, he has more multi-home run games since the beginning of 2018 um, in, against the Phillies than, um, than even any other Philly player. Like, So that's pretty good. He has three multi-homer games in the last uh, three years. Yeah, I also did see a stat where I think he's like second on the all-time list for multi-home run games and under like 22 because he turned 21 at uh, during the World Series. And I believe he's had seven multi-home run games in his career so far. So I think Mel Ott is number one with eight. So, you know, he doesn't turn 22 a little bit later. Maybe he can, uh you know, break that record, you know, have a little something to, you know, try to brighten the season. Robbie, I know you probably were deep in hockey and basketball playoffs, but did you get a chance to check out any of this series or you just, uh, once you saw the, the losses, you didn't even <laughs> worry about it? Uh, I saw a little bit, right? I was flipping back and forth and I, I do definitely wa- you know, check in on it. That inside the park one, uh, we put it on our page. It got over 600 views on our page. People really love that. It's so rare to see. I just, you know, want to emphasize that. I, I just, you don't, I can't even remember the last national to do it. I don't think he's ever done it and he's one of our fastest. So uh, there hasn't been many national ones in history. So uh, I just uh, really an incredible week by him, just putting together great offense and defense. And uh, yeah, it's, it was just a cool thing to see. And I'm happy um, that we, that was a one real big bright spot, I think for the week for us. Um, but uh, unfortunately not getting any wins. And it's just tough watching that series. Cause every year my dad and I have always gone to a Phillies uh, Nats game every year. The very first game I ever went to uh, is right over there. You can see it. It's from the very first game in Nationals history, which was against Philly in Philly. And I was there that day. And every year I've always made it a dedication to myself. I'd go to one game between those two. And I had done it up until this year. And so that's kind of sad that that streak will end because uh, of COVID. But uh, you know, it's just something that whenever I watch the teams play, I'm like, ah, man, I should be there, or, you know, like, and uh, so that's a little bit tougher than some of the other series are, at least for me, so. No doubt. Well, I'm glad you did mention Trey because uh, he's been doing some amazing things. Uh, he's hit, you know, for the cycle twice. Now he has an inside the park home run. He's a Nats all-time franchise leader and leadoff home run. Uh, he's still making stutter plays in the uh, infield. Uh, he made some great plays defensively last week and offensively. So uh, I put a post out that I feel like he, I don't know if the National League Player of the Week has come out yet, but I'm thinking he should be the leading candidate. And I believe two weeks ago, Juan Soto got it. 
And at that point, they were one and two in the uh, batting race, uh, both of them having hot bats. Juan Soto was out for a couple of games. I think he's still out now with uh, some uh, elbow issues. He got an MRI, no structural damage or anything like that. So, uh, I mean, Trey Turner, like I said, when they traded him and were lucky enough to get him back and the catalyst he was on the World Series run and just the fact that he's playing good ball, you know, on a team that's not really playing consistent good ball. You know, if he wasn't in a, that shortstop role and making some of the plays he's been making, I guarantee the uh, record would be a lot worse than what it is now. But um, let's get ready to go. Oh, let me turn that off. Let's get ready to go into the uh, Atlanta series where they were at least able to win two out of four. Uh, the first game was a Nats loss, unfortunately, uh, seven to one. Darren O'Day went one inning, giving up one hit, no runs, uh, one strikeout, and no no walks. That puts him at three and zero. Austin Voth, who's been having a tough go of it this year. Uh, last year, we saw some potential, some promise, but uh, just hasn't been able to put it together this year. He's now 0-5. He went six and two-thirds, giving up seven hits, five uh, runs, five strikeouts, and two walks. Um, this is really nothing positive to say about this game at all. Uh, the second game was uh, Nats' victory. They defeated Atlanta 10-9. Uh, Wander Swirl earned his second victory of the year going to inning. Give him no hits, no earned runs, and two strikeouts and no walks. Uh, Will Smith uh, took the loss. That puts him at two and one. Went one inning, giving up one hit, one earned run with two strikeouts. And Daniel Hudson earned his seventh save of the season. Uh, going one inning, giving up one hit and uh, two earned runs. He had uh, one strikeout and one walk. Unfortunately, uh, well, the Nets had enough runs, but that two-run home run, you know, made it a little bit harder, you know, a little bit closer, but he was able to close it out. Uh, this game for me was really kind of frustrating because the Nets had a decent lead, but uh, unfortunately gave up a grand slam to Freddie Freeman to tie the game. Fortunately enough, Trey Turner came in uh, the next inning and hit a solo home run to spark the offense to give the Nets a 10-7 lead. As I mentioned, they got two home run, uh, two uh, two run home run in the ninth to make it closer, but it's amazing. I'm going to get your guys take on Freddie Freeman. It's amazing that all the damage he's done, especially to the Nats over his career, that was actually his first career grand slam. And uh, ironically, we'll be hearing more about And now he's got two. Hey, don't, don't, I was going to tease, Brian. So, tease. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, it wouldn't be the only time his bat has caused some problems for the Nats this series. Uh, the third game of the series was another Nats win, which gave me a little bit of optimism that maybe they could turn things around. He got a little two game. They just came off of a, a seven game losing streak. So they were able to win that one and then put together another win, which was 10 to 4. Cal uh, McGowan earned the win, his first career win as a major leaguer. He went two and one thirds, gave up no hits, no one runs with four strikeouts and one walk. And I must say, this coming in the bullpen, you know, we didn't know what to expect, but he definitely came out there and performed lights out that game. And that was a, you know, pleasant surprise because we haven't seen a lot of consistency from pitching this season from the Nets. And uh, Tyler Matzik took the loss. That puts him at three and three. He went an inning, giving up three hits, two runs with two strikeouts and one walk. Uh, excuse me, and to wrap up the series yesterday when Rizzo got ejected. Uh, Atlanta won that game 10-3. to three. Uh, Josh Tomlin, Tomlin had the win with two, and that puts him at two and two. He went six innings, giving up three hits, one earned run with two strikeouts and no walks. 
And Patrick Corbin, unfortunately, took the loss, puts him at two and four. He uh, went five and a third, giving him nine hits, five runs, six strikeouts, and four walks. And that guy, Freddie Freeman, who only had one career Grand Slam before this series, ended up hitting the Grand Slam in this series, uh, in this game also. I didn't get a chance to check out any of this game. I believe Corbin gave up that Grand Slam. So his second Grand Slam of his career, the second in two days, and all the years he's been played, he didn't have one. So I find that kind of crazy with as much damage and as good as a hitter as he is, uh, just to have one grand, uh, two grand slams in his career with his stellar, you know, performances. Is, you know, I had no idea. Brian, so what do you uh, take away from this split against Atlanta? Who they'll be seeing again this week for another series? What do you take away from this? And any bright spots or anything that uh, could try to salvage this looks like lost season for the Nats in this series? Yeah, um, you know, I think that's crazy too about Freeman. You know, he's been such a great hitter, and there's been a long history of players who have gone a really long time waiting for their first Grand Slam. Derek Jeter was another example. He went like 100-something appearances with the bases loaded and only hit his first Grand Slam 10 years into his career. So, I mean, there's a long history of guys who waited a long time for their first Grand Slam, and to finally get it for him is huge. And, um, you know, I guess you could take some positives away from, you know, winning two games, which is obviously a step up from what happened in Philly. But, um, you know, it, like I said, it's still pretty much a lost season at this point. You'll take the wins as you get them. Um, I like the way some of the kids are playing. I like the way Garcia's playing a lot still. Like, ever since he's come up, he's been good. I think he's been a lot better than Carter Keyboom has this year. So, uh, I think I think Keyboom even got sent down a few weeks ago. So, I like seeing some of the kids play this year for the Nationals. That's probably going to be one bright spot going into September. But, um yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you can just take away the positive that they won two games in the series as opposed to how how Philly went the other day. Yeah, they went one and five last week and went two and six this week. So it's improvement, but nothing really you can be happy about. Uh, no, yeah, Kai Boom did get sent down, but ironically, I believe two days ago, the Nets uh, basically got rid of Wilmer Defoe and called him back up. He was actually in the game, uh, I believe, Saturday. And has some pretty good at bats. Uh, like I said, I've been more concerned about his fielding than his uh, plate appearances. But uh, they still have faith in him and brought him back up. And I guess, like you said, it's a lost season. So might as well get these young guys some experience. And yeah, you all correct about Garcia. He's been doing the damn thing. Uh, like I said, I love. You know, we might have a bad season this year, but they're still talented. They're still youth. They're still, you know, something to be proud of as a Nets fan. You know, going forward, even though you know they're 11 games under 500 right now. Arun, what did you take away from this four-game series and any bright spots to this season so far for you or anything? Or are you just, you know, chalking it up? And just, you know, like Robbie to say, you know, it's hard to watch these losses and these, you know, bad losses. So how do you feel about this? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, Key Boone, yeah, he came back, got an RBI single and uh, one of the wins. And Brock Holt got his first career hit, which was pretty cool. And as you mentioned, Hudson was pretty made it pretty nerve-wracking that game. Like, he gave up two runs and – that was the reason they actually lost the fourth game against the Phillies. He blew the save in that game in the eighth. Um, but yeah, Kuna Jr., he really killed the Nats. I think he had two leadoff home runs. He had two home runs in the first game. And on he let off and hit Corbin in the left thigh, and he was injured. And that's part of the reason why Corbin struggled. He says he has a sore thigh. He still managed to pitch five innings. No excuses at this point because the Nats are pretty bad. But that's just Lacuna is a killer. And yeah, as you mentioned, Freeman, two grand slams. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, I forgot to mention Lacuna. He did kind of put it on the Nets this past series. You know, he's a 
dynamic young young player. You know, he's doing the damn thing. He had three home runs and two games and a doubleheader. You know, that kind of says it all. Robbie, did you get a chance to check out any of these uh, that Atlanta series or see one of the two wins that they were able to salvage for the week? I was happy that they got the wins. I did not end up watching. I enjoyed such a beautiful, wonderful weekend outside and just in the pool weather and uh, just uh, really enjoyed a fantastic weekend. But I did not watch the Nats as much as maybe I should. But uh, I'm happy they were able to split the series. Um, oh, believe me, it's hard. It's hard. You know, I'm not a big basketball guy, so I've been having either the hockey on or the Nats. And I've been leaning toward the Nats just to see what they're doing. Again. It's been some painful games to watch, man. but uh, – you know, you had to. We had the glory last year. Had that great run. So I'm still, you know, riding how I'm. Ha- I'm happy we're covering them. You know, like so. I'm, I'm part <laughs> of. Like, you know, I just. Uh, we don't usually have the Nats in a precarious situation and playoff hockey and basketball all at the same time. And there's even like college football on tonight that I don't have a TV for, which is kind of like I wish I had a fourth one, just because that would be kind of cool to watch a bit of that Navy game. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a crazy sports time for sure. All right. Well, let me go ahead and wrap up with the upcoming schedule. So you guys can get in the uh, NBA. We ran a little bit over, but you know, we had some technical difficulties at the beginning. So, you know, how that plays out. No problem. Uh, no problem. As I mentioned, yeah, I have two games against Tampa Bay. They're currently still up three, nothing in the top of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the top of the six. One out, Scherzer still in the mound. He's, you know, I'm not going to say he struggled, but he's had a couple of, you know, difficult innings, but he was able to get out unscathed. Uh, their next game is tomorrow versus Tampa Bay, which is also another 6.05 start. Then they have another four games against Atlanta where maybe they can try to get some momentum if they can do something against Tampa and try to, you know, try to, you know, redeem themselves from the series they had last week. Uh, Tuesday, I mean, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, all our 6.05 starts and Sunday at the 12.35 start. And that's pretty much it for baseball. We're going to cover tonight because we got so much to talk about with basketball. Excuse me, basketball. And we have some Washington football talk at the top of the hour, along with some NHL playoffs at the bottom of the second hour. So I'll go ahead and get things set up on my side so you can get ready to rock and roll and you guys can take over on the NBA roundtable. Sounds good. Thank you, Carol. Yeah, we actually have an extra large NBA roundtable today. We've got a special guest. Uh, that I'll be bringing in in just a second. We'll first uh, bring back in our two typical members, uh, Tim and DC's People's Champ. Uh, first, Tim, how are you doing tonight? Good. Yeah, excited to join tonight and talk about the Celtics um, blowout game live. Hopefully it gets a little better. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping it'll be a little better game as well. DC's People's Champ, Bo, what are, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm hanging in there, man. I'm hanging in there. I'm looking at this blowout ass whooping as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's uh it's tough uh but there's we're gonna go back a little bit in time before we get into these current series and we'll sort of help people get to uh how we got here because we got two game sevens to break down first uh then we'll uh get into the four current series i want to bring in our last and special guest uh, first time part of our NBA roundtable has been a part of our show in the past. Uh, our very first producer of Sports on the Hill podcast, uh, the man himself, Hurt. How are you doing today, Hurt? Hey! Let's see if we can bring in his camera. Bum, bum, bum. Let me see. He's not working. Hold on. I see him on. I'm just not letting... He's on mute still, too. Yeah, he's on mute, and he needs to hit his camera button. For some reason, it's not letting me 
Do it for oh, him. Oh, oh. Oh, cause cause I gotta hit my camera button. I'm still learning the Zoom thing. <laughs> I got to hit the <laughs> You have to hit the camera. Button. That's on me. <laughs> I'm ready to say, man. I put on the shirt for no reason. Got to hit the thing back on. <laughs> nice. No, no, no. It's good. No, we, we let people bring their own cameras to the game. And uh, but <laughs> I appreciate the background. No, that's awesome. Uh, I I've been literally working. Uh, Robbie's being modest. Robbie's been working with me to help me get that background straight for like 20 minutes now. <laughs> yes. Well, it's good. We got it. We got there. That's the important thing. So um, that's the important thing. How are you doing today? No, I'm doing great. Like every week I'm kind of tied up on Mondays, but this week I was like, I absolutely have to positively call you guys before, you know, we get things rolling this season. Yeah. For sure. I uh, will definitely, I'm excited to have you on for Washington football talk in a little bit, uh, but let's uh, break down these two game sevens uh, in the Western conference. We sort of knew most of the playoff picture last week. Uh, that was kind of the, the part that's to uh, kind of that we learned a little bit about. Uh, so Arun, uh, let's start off uh, with uh, the Utah uh, game seven one uh, against uh, Denver. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on uh, that matchup? Oh, like that was a game where Denver was kind of like the pressure was on them in that game in the second half. They only scored 30 points in the second half, which is crazy considering like I think most teams like could score 30 points in a quarter. And um, the final score is 80 to 78. They were just clinging on. They even like had an opportunity to ice the game and just get picked the foul. And the crazy thing is they went for a layup, which was and they missed it. And it gave Utah another last second opportunity to um, have it like Mike Conley took the three. He it rimmed out um, just create like it's like another heart attack series for the Nuggets in the first round. They had like another crazy first round opener against the Spurs. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty crazy that Gabal Murray had multi 50 point games and he only scored. They, the team as a whole only scored 30 points in the second half. Yeah, hurt. Did you uh, were you able to watch any of that game seven or any of that series? I, I I was not. I I really I made a point not to really get into the playoffs so the first round was over because I tried to catch the end of the NBA season a little bit. I didn't know how this thing was going to work out. I didn't know how it was going to shake out, and I was just I was skeptical that the NBA could make it work. To be perfectly honest. I was yeah. skeptical they can make it work. I was skeptical about the competition. I was skeptical about these guys playing in the bubble as opposed to in front of their fans. But we're learning a lot about them. No home court advantage. We're learning a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tim, what were some of your thoughts on uh, in that Game 7 series? Yeah, I think what Arun touched on is right. Imagine if uh, Utah had hit that really close three that rimmed out and won the series. Denver would have been you know criticizing and um just you know analyzing that mistake for years and years to come it was almost one of the worst playoff mistakes you would ever see but um Denver got Harris back that was huge for them I think that was probably the lift they needed and just a lot of the early games were close losses so it, it was an even series throughout except I think game three was a blowout for Utah it was, uh, you know, it came down to the wire. You can't really ask anything more from a series. It was weird at the end with no fans because you're kind of used to a huge cheer either way when a close game ends. 
and it was just complete silence and then they walked off the court so I, that i can never get used to um but you know the games were close um it was a nail biter so what you can't really ask for anything more sounds good uh, uh people's champ what were some of your thoughts on that series interesting series i will say um but that's heartbreaking to loot to be up 3-0 or 3-1 and lose three in a row, including losing the the series clincher by two points. That is heartbreaking. That's about as that's about as bad as playing a game of Goldeneye, and you got one kill left to get the victory, and they kill you and win. That's how heartbreaking this is. It's crazy. But Denver showed their toughness. Coming back from a three-one deficit is not the easiest feat in any kind of sports series, and they managed to do it. And now they have new life. They got all the momentum going into the next round. Yeah. So, Brian, I want to get your thoughts on that and then also uh, start your uh, what your thought on the other game seven uh, between uh, the Rockets and OKC. Yeah, um, I agree with everything that's been said so far. Great series. Great game seven. You know, if um, that three had been good by Utah at the buzzer, then we would have been criticizing Denver for years. In fact, I mean, I think we should still honestly criticize them for the decision not to, you know, pre- to go up for the layup like that. I still think that's a really dumb decision, and it really could have cost them the game. But I'm sure they're not complaining now because they won the series um, and, you know, get to move on to play the Clippers. And then um, to start off the OKC um, uh, Rockets talk, um, you know, this was another good series. You know, these two teams that know each other well, a lot of, as you know, a lot of former Rockets used to a lot of Rockets used to play for the Thunder or used to be members of the Thunder. Thunder. So these two teams know each other well, and it came down to a really you know tight battle at the end. Um, Harden hit some big shots as well for the, the Rockets, but um, you know OKC had a chance to I believe either tie or win at the end, and their inbound pass was completely they just completely messed it up, and Houston stole it, sealing the win for them. Uh, they had, I believe they had a chance to either tie or win the game. So um, that was a tough break for OKC. OKC should be applauded for what they did this season. They had a very small chance. At the beginning of the season, most people did not think they were going to make the playoffs. So to get to game seven against a team like Houston is great for OKC. They have a lot to build towards next season. We'll see if they keep Chris Paul. They've got great players like uh, Schroeder and Gilgis Alexander and Gallinari. So, um, yeah, that was a great series too, a great matchup. And, um, yeah, good for Houston for advancing. Arun, do you have anything else uh, to add to that with the Houston-OKC game? Yeah, it was a surprisingly really low-scoring game seven. I think uh, Chris Paul was really great in game six with, like, these uh, back-to-back setback threes, but he didn't have it in game seven as far as shot-making. And uh, Lou Dort was blocked by Harden. I think Harden was actually not really that good in game seven. I think he was, like, 4 or 15 from the field, but – Defense got it done for the Rockets and on to the next one. Yes. Uh, Tim, any other thoughts on uh, that series? Yeah, I, just like Arun said, I think it was odd that Harden won a series on a defensive play but shot terribly. It's not what you would <laughs> expect because historically he's known for really bad defense. And there's you can even search YouTube for some really for some low lights. But um, yeah, I mean, OKC had every chance to win the game. I think they were only down two with a couple seconds left and Gallinari had a free throw, which he missed. And then they screwed up the inbounds pass kind of. So they could have potentially had a two point shot to win the game there. And 
it didn't work out. And again, it was odd to me because with no fans there, it, it's just a couple exciting sequences with no crowd noise and you can hear like just crickets. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, it seems anticlimactic, even though it was a, you know, a really good ending there. Yeah. Sounds good. Hurt. Did you watch any of that uh, game seven or did you just watch yes. the next round? You did. Okay. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because I was kind of rooting for Chris Paul. I can't tell you why. Um, Michael, uh, not Michael Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is always somebody who's rubbed me the wrong way. I can't tell you why. Harden as well. I was rooting against them. I really, 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 really wanted uh, Chris Paul to to overcome. But like you said, it's ironic that Harden played some defense. That's the first defensive play. I know he's played defense before, okay? I know that. That's the first defensive play that comes to mind when you think of James Harden ever ever other than his uh classic flop that's the only other defense i'm used to him playing for sure yeah it's uh <laughs> anyway I, well i'll go to dc's people champ and see did you have any additional thoughts on uh, that series before we start breaking down where these series have all ended up i said it last week that Houston was going to win the series i said it and look what happened but it's crazy that they won it and Harden didn't have his best shooting night. It was That's crazy to me. But that just shows you the type of team that Houston is. But I'm going to tell you something. If Harden can't get his shot that, to go down, he going to have a hard time against the Clippers. He going to have a hard time. And Russell Westbrook, he's going to have to pick up a slap too. Lakers, okay, thank you. Sorry. What, the Lakers is going to be even worse because they're the top team in the, uh, in the, in the West. They're gonna, he's gonna have a problem if he can't get his shot to go down, so he's gonna have to step it up and he's gonna have to continue to play defense, which maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. But Houston, they got they got a lot, they got a lot to ask. Can they answer? Yeah, um, all right, well, let's get into uh the series that are now been created. So now we know the, the four matchups, and we're just gonna break them down. Um, I'm going to ask Hurt real quickly first, because I, I usually give each person a, a series that they want to break down that, that is their favorite series so far. So I'll ask you, since you said you watch only a couple of them, of the second round series, is there one that you've been watching more closely? Lakers. All right, go for it. Um, I, I, I saw a lot of people, people have been rooting against the Lakers for whatever reason. Um, LeBron's very hateable for whatever reason. I used to be, used to be the world's biggest LeBron James hater. That was before he went to Miami, before he decided to go to Miami. I hated him from the moment he whispered in Gilbert Arenas's ear. I hated him. Let's, let's start there. Okay. But I respect his game. I respect how hard he works and I respect that he is the best player on the floor every time he plays against whoever, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron is the best in the game right now. That's all there is to it. With that being said, I, I found it funny that people jumped out of the water when Houston, who had just played a couple nights ago, beat the Lakers who haven't played in like a week. I'm like, these people obviously have never played any major sports. If you have that long of a layoff, you are going to have some rust. And I told people, I said, I can see Houston winning the first two games. After that, nunzo. 
I think it's going to be a five or six game series. So for the Lakers to beat them the second game and, and the final score isn't indicative of how bad the Lakers were beating them. The Lakers were beating them so bad. They took their foot off the gas. Houston made some shots, started coming back. LeBron took over and we're done there. The Lakers going to win this series in six tops. I wouldn't be surprised if it was five. And then the next series, when they go up against the Clippers, it's going to be the exact same thing. I'm sorry, that's a spoiler. When they go up against the Clippers, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to be rusty because they haven't played in a while. People are going to say, oh, the Clippers, this is the super team that was assembled to beat LeBron. They're going to lose also. But I'm getting ahead of myself. That's not my series. I'm sorry. Right. I, you know, I, everything you said, I agree with. I was always a big Kobe fan. And usually if you're a Kobe fan, you're not a LeBron fan. Yeah. Usually there's sort of two camps there. Uh, I'm, I'm and stat fan. I'm, 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 I don't like Kobe or LeBron. Let's yeah, be clear. Okay. So, like so one of them. There are some that don't like either. I, I will admit, but there are, but people that are diehard Kobe tend not to like LeBron. They, I did they all, do not. Yes. Same. And, and it's, I also was a Wizards fan way back with Gil and all of the whisper thing. Hated him for that. Hated him for the whole entire decision movement all the way there. When he went back to Cleveland and won it for his hometown, I was more okay with that. And now he's said a lot of the right things since coming to LA. So I have to say, as much as I was a huge hater before, I've kind of come around and I'm rooting for the Lakers because they're trying to do this for Kobe. And I, I hope that they are able to. So they're kind of the team in the West that I've been pulling for. But I, I agree. I think six is a very good. I thought they would lose the first one, just like you said, win two, lose one, and then win two more. So, and then win it in six that way. So that makes that I, I can believe that more than. Yeah. People really thought they were going to get swept. <laughs> Same with Portland. Same with Portland. People thought Portland was going to sweep them, and it was like, why? Why would you think that? Because they had one great Dame, one one great Dame, not even a great game, just a great Dame. It's Dame <laughs> time. He's putting out mixtapes. You know what I'm saying? He's on iTunes. And he's talking trash on YouTube, and then now he's at home, and he can you know work on an album. Right. Sounds good. All right. So uh, I'm going to give you a rune. Uh, I'm going to give you the Clippers series. Uh, let me know how, what you're thinking about this uh, Denver uh, Clippers matchup so far. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting series. Um, I think the Clippers are still favored despite the Nuggets coming back and winning uh, game two. Um, Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray each had like 25 points in the first half or something ridiculous like that. And But um, Kawhi had his worst game probably of his play, like one this year's playoffs. Uh, Paul George even had more points than him, which was pretty crazy. Like Kawhi had like 13. Um, but Denver was down and out. They were down 3-1. Like I still give them a shot, but Jokic just injured his wrist, which is a shooting wrist. So um, I think the Clippers, if they're on defensively, like they need to turn it up. Like they I think they like played the Nuggets even after the first quarter. They can't afford to get down by like 20 points in the first quarter. They have to play like a good full, uh, full four quarters. And I think they should take care of the Nuggets. Sounds good. I wish we had time where everyone could get their everyone's thoughts on each of the games. I'm going to give everyone a final thought. So I'm just going to give one series to each one of you to begin with. And then a final thought, just because we're trying to condense this segment. We could talk NBA playoffs. It's been very exciting all night. Um, Tim, I'm going to give you the current series right now, the Celtics Raptors series. It's tied 2-2. I thought this game would be much closer. We're at halftime. It's 62 to 35 Celtics right now. Uh, what are your thoughts on this series? 
Well, I mean, it's really close to being a closeout game potentially tonight. Like, um, you know, Boston could have won probably all four of the first games. Obviously, it looks like they're going to win tonight and have a closeout game next. But, um, you know, you could also say they deserve that first loss with the way they defended that imbalance pass. They put Taco Fall on the the passer, which did nothing positive, and then they just left Inanobi wide open. It was a great three. I mean, he couldn't even really take a full um, set shot. He had to just kind of heave it up like an ugly grandpa shot, but it went in. And, you know, it just shows NBA games don't really matter until the last possession or two. But um, you have to give the edge to Boston now, especially because they're going to be up three to two. And they really have been the better team. I mean, Toronto has a lot of kind of mojo and a chip on their shoulder because people wrote them off this year. But Boston has been a great team. And I think, you know, they, they have a good shot of getting to the finals and giving the Western team uh, a good battle. So I think Boston will probably end up winning four to two. I, I don't, I hope it goes seven, but I see Boston winning tonight and the next game. Sounds good. Brian, I want you to help me break down the heat and bucks, but then after that people's champ, I'll let you think about this question. You can talk about any of the series you want. You uh, just give me what, you know, keys to that series that you want to see happen. Uh, but Brian, before we get to that, uh, this Heat Bucks one uh, has been sort of the biggest surprise to me. Uh, I can't believe the Heat are up 3 1, and they almost actually swept. I would never have guessed it going into the series. Uh, and now there's an injury potential situation to the Greek freak. Uh, Brian, help me uh, break down this Heat Bucks series. Yeah, I, I mean, this is definitely the surprise so far. Milwaukee came into the bubble as the best team in the NBA, but since they've been in the bubble, they've really struggled. I believe they're 7 and 9 since they've been in the bubble. So um, they have not been playing their best basketball. And the Heat are actually a very good team. They have a complete roster from top to bottom, a lot of depth, not just in their starting five. They've got players off the bench that are great too. And, um, you know, they can drain the three with the best of them. They can play defense with the best of them. I mean, the Miami Heat are a very good team. And, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not surprised they have the, a series lead, but I am surprised they went up 3-0. And um, that game yesterday was, was, was great, too. Um, a really great back-and-forth game. And then, of course, Giannis goes down with the injury. Giannis was actually coming into game four. He was dealing with a sprained ankle. So um, there was questions as to whether they were going to actually play him or not. And um, they ended up playing him. And then he ended up getting hurt and uh, missing the rest of the game in game four. But Chris Middleton really put the team on his back. He had a huge three at the end to give the Bucks the win. And um, – now all eyes are on Giannis for game five. Will Giannis play game five? If he does, you got to give Milwaukee a, a slight chance, but um, the Heat have been great. Like even in defeat yesterday, the Heat really did look good going to overtime. Tyler Hero has been great for them in big spots. Jay Crowder, players like that. So um, it's been a, it's been an interesting series so far, but um, def I wouldn't say it's over yet. I would not say it's over. Sounds good. All right. DC's people's champ. Uh, the homework. What is your uh, verdict? Uh, what, what is the series you want to talk about? Well, I, I really like this series with, uh, with, the, with the Bucks and the Heat because it's so intriguing the fact that the top seeded team in the East is on the brink of elimination. And if it wasn't for role players like Middleton and them doing what they did yesterday, 
we be talking about the top seeded team going home. But they're, they, they're a completely different team without Giannis. And if they don't have Giannis, they may squeak out game five, but they're not, they're not winning the series. They're not winning the series. I think I'm predicting Boston, Miami in the next round. That's my prediction right now. Boston, Miami is going to be the next series, and that's going to be a great series. Sounds good. All right, I'm going to give each one of you guys a final thought uh, in Arun, Hurt, Tim, and People's Champ, and then uh, I'm going to talk soccer for two seconds with Brian Brennan, and then we're going to switch to football, and then Hurt will bring you back after we bring Dujanae in. Uh, so uh, final thoughts. We'll start off with Arun. Uh, what is uh, your final thoughts about any of these series or anything you want to put out there? Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting that Lou Dort has the most points for an under-22 player, like, in a game seven. He passed, um, with 30 points, he passed LeBron and Kobe Bryant. It's a really weird stat for an undrafted rookie. And then um, Dante DiVincenzo unleashed plus 22 when he was on the court for the Milwaukee Bucks. So um, I think that series would be an even series without Giannis going before, which which is interesting without Giannis, I think it's going to be pretty tough for the Bucks to pull it out. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Arun. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. Sure. Thanks for having me on. All right, Tim, uh, what your final thoughts? I just think the NBA has been really intriguing so far. It's going to be odd if there's an LA versus LA uh, Western Conference Finals and None of them are in uh, the Staples Center. They, they probably have to travel even a little bit farther from their rooms to get to these games. But um, I just hope the series continue to stay close and we get these really good um, late series games. But, you know, I, I, I think it, it's going to it's going to stay really interesting. And a lot of these series are going to go are going to go long, which is what the fans want. So glad uh, glad they're not getting Corona. Glad they're playing. Glad it's close. Yeah, no, it's been a really great uh, NBA bubble so far. I agree with Hurt, what he was saying before. We didn't know if it was going to work out, and uh, so far it has. Uh, thank you, Tim. Uh, we'll have you on uh, next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. More. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, uh, uh, Hurt, we'll go to you next. Give your final thoughts on the NBA, and then we can get your general final thoughts after uh, the NFL segment. Uh, but uh, any other thoughts you have on this series? The Lakers are going to win the championship, and you want to see a bunch of people say that this season shouldn't count. Not now, but later. A few years down the line, they're going to say, oh, yeah, you know, the Lakers won that one year. They were in the bubble. That season shouldn't even count. It's going to happen, especially since their number one competition, Giannis, um, not going to make it out of another game. I'm surprised that game, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't get swept. Sounds good. All right, sounds good. Well, we'll bring you back in uh, for the uh, end of uh, our uh, – NFL talk. So thank you so much for being a part All of it. Right. I'm going to hang out. All right. Sounds good. All right. DC's People Champ, let people know what's happening uh, on your podcast this week. Well, this weekend, we're going to be talking about All Out and why it was a disappointment when it was supposed to be an A pay-per-view. We're going to talk about the field that's being announced this week for the New Japan G1 Climax 30 tournament coming up uh, in mid starting mid-September. And we are going to find out and tell you who became the 62nd IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. That show happens this Saturday, but we'll talk about it this Sunday on No Spots. Thank you so much. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Yep.
All right, Brian, we've got like two minutes to talk soccer, but we have a time slotted. So I'm happy <laughs> that we get to even talk soccer for a second. Excellent. Um, so let's talk about the goal that happened in the final moments and what a call it was uh, for uh, DC United uh, in the first game of last week. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on uh, the big uh, sort of decision at the end of the game there? Honestly, I didn't see it, so I'm, I'm not sure what you're necessarily okay, talking about. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> you're my big soccer guy. I was I, expecting I, you to. I know. I know. I'm sorry, but to, to um, I can talk about I can talk about yesterday's game a little bit and how um, DC United are just really struggling. They didn't have any shots on goal yesterday, so against New York City, and um, there's more pressure mounting on their coach right now, Ben Olsen. Um, you know, Ben Olsen's been associated with DC United for a long time first as a player and as a coach and now there's nothing but pressure on him if you look on any instagram post on dc united's uh, instagram page all the comments are olsen out so they the fans want their coach gone they want change at the club um we'll see what happens obviously this is going to be a tough year because they're without wayne rooney now who was such a big part of their team and um it has looked rough it has i mean they have looked very rough. to get no shots on goal is absolutely embarrassing against nycfc it's a miracle it was a zero zero draw honestly because that that's a terrible that's just bad for dc united yeah for sure um the other one just if people missed out what i was talking about there's a goal i actually posted it on our facebook page facebook.com slash sports othp or search sports on the hill podcast uh it was a goal and i believe the hundredth minute um of the match and uh, it was uh, an exciting uh yeah it was 90 plus eight uh by eric uh, sorga uh and they scored it was against the red bulls which is why i thought that you would have known uh about it since i'm an two. nyc fc yeah, I, I, yeah I realized that what after i said it <laughs> because yeah. um, you used to follow them a little bit the, the a little bit yeah, yeah but yeah. nycfc kind of became my team over time they play at yankee stadium so as a yankee fan i kind of had a natural connection to them but yeah sounds good all right uh well uh hopefully they'll continue uh, to win it was unfortunate that they lost that one other game uh but uh it's the schedule in the upcoming week uh, there's another game against the red bulls on saturday september 12th uh, and uh, that's the last game I see on this schedule, but I know that they are playing other games, uh, but I don't know if they've been released yet, what the dates are for those. Yeah, I think MLS still has to figure out some things with the schedule. There's a lot still in play. Like, for example, there's two teams playing in Canada, or three teams playing in Canada that are going to have to play games in the U.S. How is that going to work out? There's a lot of questions right now with MLS, too. Sounds good. All right, Brian, well, uh, we'll bring you back in for NHL Talk in a, in a little bit. Thank you so much. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, does that work? All right. So let me see. All right, we got there. And Dujanay is back. Awesome. Yes, I like your fancy background there, Dujanay. Okay, very cool. I think we got all of us on uh, the thing. Hurt, can you turn on and off your camera for just one second? I just want to reset something. And then it should. And then if you turn it back on, there we go. We figured it out. We, we played the jigsaw puzzle with the, the camera. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Carol, um, break down uh, this NFL segment. I'm actually going to jump off and let the three of you guys, since I'm so happy that three great NFL minds can have a one thing, I'm going to take a step back and just watch you guys uh, break down uh, this season that I'm so excited for, but I have no idea what to expect. 
No doubt, no doubt. I wasn't expecting Big Hurt to be on tonight, but hey, Big Hurt, how's it going, man? We ain't talked in a while, man. We both been busy as hell, man. Yo, so busy. I, I literally didn't know I was going to be available until five minutes before I called Robbie and asked if I could jump in. Sounds good, man. You know we always love having you on, man. We got to do some more work, especially with the season coming up. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, sir. Dude, Janae, how you doing, brother? First uh, first time on the Zoom call. You've been with us from uh, just about the beginning on Sports in the Hill. I love, like, I love the, the breakdown background in the back, too, brother, looking nice. How you doing today, man, with all that crazy Florida weather and staying out them hurricanes? I think you got your mic. Hey, make sure your mic not muted, dude, Janae. Oh, there we go. All right, cool, cool. It's been good. It's hot. Super hot, but uh, <laughs> what, what else could you expect out in Florida? But I know you showed on time tonight, so I'm glad hurt here, so we can definitely chop it up for a good 30 minutes talking some football. But we uh had the final 53 man cut down this past weekend, and there, there were you know a surprise with AP, you know, the Washington football. I'm trying not to say the R word because we know that's uh no longer available. Last week I had a, a six a six show hiccup, so. I mean, try to prove from that one last week. But uh, Adrian Peterson ended up, uh, they let him, you know, try to find work elsewhere because they are happy with the youth and the backfield that they have now. He signed with Detroit for a year. Uh, I believe it was a $1, uh, $1 million deal with incentives of like $2 million. Uh, to me, there really weren't too many other big surprises on the cut list. I'm going to go ahead and go through the positions real quick with the numbers and uh because that was always the question, how many wide receivers, how many running backs, how many offensive linemen they would carry. And then we'll break down and I get some of your guys' thoughts on uh, this final roster. Uh, they'll be carrying three quarterbacks, four running backs, five wide receivers, three tight ends, four defensive tackles, five defensive ends, six linebackers, six DBs, four safeties, and three special teams players. Um, I guess before I go to you, I guess my biggest, I'm not going to say biggest surprise, but the fact that they're carrying three quarterbacks uh, we knew the Alex Smith situation with his contract that he wasn't going to get cut, but there was a possibility they would be able to put him on IR and, you know, whatever. They didn't think he was physically able. But as I said over and over again, he's uh, had a miraculous uh, recovery. I, I said when the injury happened that he would probably never take another snap at quarterback, and I have no problem being wrong with that because, to me, he's the, one of the most courageous, will-powered person player, athlete, whatever you want to call it, that I've ever seen for him to come back from that injury and actually be, you know, able to still play. So, heard I go to you first before I go to Dujanay. Uh, were there any surprises to you on this roster? And uh, how do you feel about the Alex Smith situation? I haven't got to pick your brain on that before. The, the two surprises for me was, one, Alex Smith. Alex Smith making a roster, um, you know, it, I was a little surprised, but I didn't get to see, we didn't get to see anything. The thing about this year is you can't really base anything. We can't base anything off of what we see. For instance, last year, as you all know, I predicted 51 of the 53-man roster because they only carried 51. But I got everybody right, um, including the two people that we let go of, um, even though, you know, one of them hopes we shouldn't let go of. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> this year we kind of had to go off of what happened last year and draft picks because we didn't have any any game film to see so adrian peterson to me was the only real surprise and it's the same thing it's yo 
this guy was your lead running back, you are essentially cutting him for somebody who's unproven. Either way you slice it. Bryce Love is unproven. Gibson is unproven, although I hear he's nasty in camp. Um, but we're going off what we hear. So listen to Adrian Peterson talk about it, and he basically said that if they had come to him and told him, hey, you're only going to get one or two snaps a game, he didn't know how he would feel about it, tells me it was probably the right decision to let him go. Definitely. Probably. Yeah, I mean, you want to give a veteran a chance to, you know, see if he can get some work elsewhere. And, uh, yeah, and he I did. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Dude, Janae, you know, you, uh, me and you spoke about Antonio Gibson in great detail when they drafted him. And uh, you talked about the potential that he had to be a game breaker for this team. So in this roster breakdown, was there any surprises for you? Anybody that caught you off guard besides uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, waiting? Um, no. Um, you know, I've watched Gibson at Memphis um, and had the watch, opportunity to see him up close um, at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he And I, I told the story. He was initially in the wide receiver group. Uh, they had a guy drop out, and they moved him over to running back group. And uh, you saw what he did in the game. Um, but he's done that all his career in Memphis. So, um, I, you know, I, I'll say this. See, too often this team has – kept guys who are older and this is not a slight against AP, but they kept guys who are older um, because of sentimental, sentimental value and let go of guys who, and I know we say it's potential, but still um, you don't get better in this league by not uh, keeping the guys who have talent and then developing them. If they, if they are potentially uh, able to help your football team, um, I, I, I say it's a surprise that he's gone, but it's not a surprise. And we talked about it, Carol, a little bit. Um, with, with him, you know, uh, Hurt made a good point uh, about uh, him wanting, you know, not feeling too comfortable with having, you know, not, not, not as many uh, carries. Um, he's a guy who needs to be fed. And I, I think it's a numbers game here. And it's also a talent game. Um, you got youth that you want to start developing. You want to start pushing this youth movement. We've too often band-aided this thing over and over again. Um, and, and that's what they've done, but they gave the guy an opportunity to go somewhere else. He still wants to play. And I get that. But, um, in this situation, um, I think that's the right move. I know hurt said hope, but I, I think it is and too often. We worry about those things and you, you just got to roll the dice and do it and see if you can actually, uh, succeed. If you don't and fall on your face, that's fine. Um, but it's never been done here. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's any other surprises. I think it's been, you know, pretty much true and true uh, what we thought would happen here. And I, I like the young talent on this football team and the potential. Definitely. That's one of the things that I did notice too with the youth. I said, I think I said they're the 14th uh, youngest team in the league right now after, you know, letting AP go with the draft picks that they uh, kept on the squad. And I think that's one of the differences we're seeing with Rivera that he's going to give these guys a chance because, like you said, you can't keep on trying to, you know, relive a veteran's, you know, heyday when he's in his 30s and thinking he's going to be able to, you know, hit the fountain of youth and miraculously be able to go back to what you saw in his prime and what he is now. So, I mean, that's why I kind of think with the wide receiver core, that's one of the, uh, the 60% of it is undrafted. They only kept five wide receivers. And, you know, the fans have been clamoring about no uh, real threat in the passing game. 
But uh, in my opinion, they still have the Jay Gruden mindset of, you know, the things that he tried to do when you have a true coach with a game plan strategy and, and has been in his position before and it was truly an NFL head coach, not an arena football league coach, that those things are going to change. And with uh, Scott Turner and the way that he uh, calls the game plan with Christian McCaffrey last year, putting up a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving, that just lets you know how much they plan on feeding the running back. And I saw something about uh, they were going to be using a lot of two running back sets. Uh, I guess I'll ask you guys about the wide receivers since we spoke about them. With Terry McClellan being really the only real, you know, threat that folks are worried about, what do you uh, what do you think about this youth movement in the wide receiving court? Because I know uh, I looked at tape on Isaiah Wright, and he he was an undrafted guy that we uh, picked up, and he uh, he amazed me on film. He he reminded me of a, a Tyreek Hill, in fact. And then you know uh, the Sim uh, with the Cam Sim that kept him, and you know it it. To me, I think this wide receiver core is going to surprise some people. Dujanae, what do you say? Um, you're right about <laughs> you're right about right. Um, <laughs> he's definitely a good good player. Um, he's definitely a good player. Uh, balls out. Uh, Steven Sims Jr. We saw him uh, have his moments when they utilized him properly. Um, my guy is Antonio Gandy Golden. Um, the guy can ball. Um, he's got the height. He's got the ability. Um, and no, he doesn't have the uh, that that electrifying speed. But um, the thing that I always talk about is his ability. And I, I've ha- I put an article out about him. And I had a couple people like, ah, oh, you know, his route running. Well, obviously, you haven't been paying too close of attention to the guy. Um, you know, that's one thing that has been uh, when we talked to him at uh, the Senior Bowls. One thing that uh, was a focal point. Uh, that's one thing he does do well, though especially at the top of his routes, uh, understanding that it's all about body position, how you work a guy uh, to get open. Uh, and he does that uh, very well. If they can continue to build on those potential things, I think they're going to have a nice, solid uh, wide receiver that can uh, be a good complement uh, to Terry. Uh, and then you have Steven Sims, a guy, Steven Sims or Wright, who could be a, a solid slot. And then you've got the Inman, who's just the, the elder statesman, a guy who goes in, takes his lunch pail to work, does an excellent job of, um, you know, taking care of his business. But he also is going to provide a little knowledge to those young guys and help polish them as well. Because, um, you know, he, he doesn't his name doesn't jump out there um, at you because of, uh, you know, whatever. But the bottom line is, is he's able to work. Um, he understands the, the offense quite well. And, you know, you got to kind of have those elder statesmen, those journeymen uh, that that know how to work, know how to go out and prepare the pair for games and kind of pass that knowledge down to these young guys. So I think they've done an excellent job there. Definitely. Definitely. Another quick point on AGG. Uh, I believe I read something that he actually like took dance or something and that helps him with his route running that, you know, his footwork and the things that make him a precise route running. So the folks that were saying that obviously don't know what they were talking about. Big Hurt, what do you think about these, uh, this young wide receiver calling this youth movement? How do you feel about it? I love, I love the youth movement. I've always had a problem with, I understand that like every position needs some leadership, but I don't know if every position needs that older leadership, especially if they're gonna be taking snaps away from somebody who can build into something else. Um, the, the one message that Adrian Peterson, the one message that Adrian Peterson being cut gave to everybody was 
We want people on this team who are the future. We want to give snaps to the future. Everybody on this team has a future. So I like the young core and I like the thought of them being thrown to the wolves and having to find themselves together. I think in two or three years, you're talking about the best wide receiver core in the game. I'm very, very interested to see what AGG does. I always liked, um, you know, Terry's already proven that he's been good. Hopefully he can prove that wasn't a fluke here and that he's just, you know, naturally nasty. Um, I also have a thing for Harmon. I always did. And, um, and Sims. So I think we're going to be good. I definitely uh, agree. I've always said that if you got to get the youth on the field, they can't get any experience sitting on the bench by some old guy that's barely, you know, getting it done. Um, and I, I guess I'll go before we go to defense, because, you know, we got to chop up some defense before Dujanae get out of here. Is there, a, I know the tight end group has been, you know, an issue for this team. You know, Jordan Reed is no longer here. Uh, Thaddeus Moss ended up getting uh, injured, injured reserved, and we uh, spoke about, you know, his potential, but uh, apparently the tight end coach with him being injured didn't really see that hunger uh, doing whatever he needed to do in rehab or whatever, and he ended up uh, putting him on injured reserve, and his season's pretty much done. Um, I wrote down the tight end's name. That's how bad it is. I don't even <laughs> I can't remember their name, but I wrote him down. But I can't find a paper I wrote him down, though. So, Dujanae, how do you feel about this tight end group? And do you think, I mean, especially with the offensive line being in flux, we know how the tight end is so crucial to a quarterback and to the offensive line. Uh, what do you see from the tight ends that they decided to keep in? With Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, how do you see this offense, you know, evolving with these, all these inexperienced, uh, young, talented folks they have on the squad now? Well, um, I think a lot of people thought that uh, Logan Thomas was going to be the guy that they were really going to keep for sure. Uh, I, I know people are kind of, I even myself, uh, a little bit leery of Sprinkle's ability to make this roster. Um but um, the, the surprise, I guess it's not a surprise, um, but Marcus Ball, um, you know, he's the third tight end. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I, I've, I've always had a thing for Sprinkle. I think he's um, better than he's shown. Uh, he has all the abilities, uh, has everything that uh, you want. You just want him to attack more, be more aggressive. Um, it just seems like sometimes he's a little lazy with uh, some of the things that he does. Um, if he was more aggressive and act like a big man, um, you know, snatching the ball, attacking the ball it, while it's in the air, attacking the route, um, doing more to, uh, you know, keep his, his, uh, his, his opponent off balance. I think that would help him a lot. And, and maybe he'll, he'll start to develop and move forward as uh, this new coaching staff uh, begins to do more tutoring, more teaching. Um, and, and um, hey, it seems like it's a competition for real for a lot of these people. So they're going to have to go out here and put some work in. And uh, as, as Hurt stated, um, he liked the fact that uh, these guys are coming out here, they're young, and they're going to have to kind of learn on the fly and learn as a team together. And I, I think that's going to be huge for uh, everyone involved here. Um, and I think this tight end group could potentially be an interesting unit. I think it could be a surprise unit as well, because we all know how important that is. So um, with the combination of the versatility in the backfield, uh, with these tight ends that seem to be guys that are big, athletic, um, kind of your basketball type guys, um, if they can get more out of them, uh, get them more polished, more aggressive, more attacking, uh, I think they could have something here. 
Definitely, definitely. A quick scoring update before I go to you. Hurt. Uh, the Nats are up six to one in the bottom of the eighth uh, with no outs. And uh, Thames is at the bat. And if you're watching the Eastern Conference Finals for hockey, the score is tied 1 1 between the Islanders and uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, they just went to commercial break. Uh, Hurt, what is your uh, take on the tight end group, the offensive line, and this new uh, youth movement on offense? And how do you think it's going to pan out? I don't think it could have been stated. I don't think it could have been stated enough. Like Brennan was dead on. I I didn't think. Well, I didn't think Sprinkle was gonna make the team. I've never been impressed with him. I also think he's lazy. He lets the ball come to him. He does not go to the ball. It's it's a lot about him. I don't like. I was upset that he got the spot that Holt should have gotten last year. Um, he never showed me anything all season long. Nothing. Not one time, not on blocking, not on catching, not on pass protection. There was nothing he showed me that made me think, oh, okay, this is what they got him. This is why they got him. Oh, okay, the future's looking bright. Okay, he can develop into something. Nothing ever told me that. Um, I hear Thomas is pretty decent. As number one, I actually drafted him um, in the Hurts House Fantasy Football League, which I plan on winning. <laughs> um, I'm but I, I drafted him as my number two quarterback. I mean, number two quarterback, number two tight end. Um, besides Zach Ertz, of course. But I think, I think he's 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 going to do the job. And I think Sprinkle has a short window, a very short window, to show us that he's worthy of the position he's been given. Definitely, yeah. Sprinkle, he has the size, and, you know, I thought he would be more, but as both of you said, he's not aggressive. He doesn't really make his mark. He doesn't really, you know, play like a big guy. So I definitely uh, can agree with those statements you made. Now, got to get to the defense. I know Dujanae's short on time, so you got to get on this defense, man. Can't, uh, I, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, what this defense can do with the new 4-3 and, you know, Allen Payne and uh, Ioannidis and, and uh, uh, Chase Young. Uh, it's, it's just going to be amazing. Um, were there any surprise uh, cuts or roster moves on the defensive side before we break this down, Dujanae? I go to you first. Uh, yes and no. Um, the yes is for, and, and that's in the reference to fans, um, and that may not be all of them, but uh, I think Troy Apke, the fans, are, is a surprise. Um, I, I really kind of like the guy. Uh, he made some plays late uh, last year. Uh, he was finally in position to do what he does best. Um, and if they can uh, hone in that, uh, maximize what he does well, I think he can be a, a really good staple for this team uh, over there at the free. Um, other than that, man, uh, you know, a lot of these guys that we saw uh, during the Gruden era um, that uh, we knew that were ballers that were coming out and making plays, at least making an attempt, even though, uh, the scheme was absolutely horrid. Um, you know, these guys stayed and, and the ones that were not, um, they went out. So I, I don't think there's any surprises other than the app key thing. And that, that, like I said, to me, no, but to fans, that probably is a surprise. Uh, other than that, I, I really like this defense and I just can't wait to see what uh, Jack Del Rio schemes up for him. I mean, there's a ton of talent. And again, your front seven is probably, uh, it's quite nasty. It's quite nasty on paper. And if that thing 
comes together like like we think it can, like we thought it could over the last two seasons. Your back half, who cares? I mean, I, I'll go out and I'll get hurt, you and I, and go out there and cover <laughs> all pro bowlers out there, baby. No doubt, no doubt. I guess my, I guess I piggyback before I go to hurt. I guess Ruben Foster was the biggest surprise for me. We heard so much about how good he was looking at camp and everything. And then they get injured. Uh, I don't know what the injury was, but then they get definitely injured reserve right at the end of camp and never to play one snap for the Washington football team. I guess that was the surprise for me. What about you hurting this defense? What do you see and what was the surprise on the defense for you? Same as far as surprises. I kept hearing that Ruben Foster, this was going to be his year. I was looking forward to it. I know it was going to be a redemption story of sorts for him. And I was thinking, oh, we can still get him. You know, he's probably going to decline skill-wise because he's getting a little older. But we can probably still get two or three good years out of him. Maybe just the tail end of his twilight, but uh, not meant to be. And um, the real IR, not the not the the new the new age IR, where you come back <laughs> in a couple of weeks. They put him on the real, the classic IR, never yeah, to be yeah. heard from again. So this is some, this has some Mike Barrow implications to it. For those of you who've been watching Redskins for a long time, another linebacker that we got who never took a snap, um, three years on IR, and thanks for coming. Um, it can't be stated enough, so I'm going to say it exactly the way it was said. This front seven has the potential to be nasty. Nasty front seven. Ionitis, um, Ionitis was supposed to be like rotational help, but he's looking like a starter. Um, you still have Payne. You still have Allen. You got Chase Young. It's going to be problematic. Because if there's a weakness on your offense line, there's going to be penetration. The cornerbacks are going to be able to press up on the uh, receivers of the other team. Now this 10 yards off the ball nonsense that we've been seeing over the last five years, that's finally gone. They're going to be able to beat up on them because the quarterbacks aren't going to have the time they've had. It's just not, it's not feasible. It's not possible. And on top of which, Del Rio's probably going to give us schemes that we haven't really thought of. True exotic schemes. True exotic, yes, yes. Not, we say it's exotic, but it's just nickel. True exotic schemes. Exactly. Well, you would see, you know, the outside linebackers, uh, the linebackers, the blitzers, you know, coming from different positions, not just on the, on the ends, on the tackles, but attacking the guard, attacking the center. And doing all that's why I, I can't wait with uh, Jack Del Rio knowing how you know creative he is and the things that he's done in this league as a coordinator. You know, it, I, I just can't wait. Um, like you you mentioned the back end with uh, Apke, yeah, that was definitely uh, I've heard good things. Heard he was laying the wood to some folks, put a couple of players out or uh, you know, yeah, a little bit too much wood. They laid the wood or uh, we spoke about uh, Cameron Curl out of uh, Arkansas. We saw that I see that he made the team. And uh, I, I think this secondary is going to be better than folks anticipate because I think, you know, they have a lot of the Jay Gruden hangover and, uh, you know, the inept defensive coordinators that he had because we know of his uh, hate for having someone with having more knowledge on his staff so he would bring in, you know, lesser guys. Now that you have a, a competent coach with, a, you know, a competent defensive coordinator that understands what needs to be done, uh, I think this back end is going to surprise some folks. What uh, – we talked about the potential of this of this uh, defense with front seven, but how, do you think this team 
with the where we got to take the COVID no preseason factor into it. And we know that's going to stagnate some of these offenses that are, you know, trying to, you know, you tell, you know, always know offense takes a little bit longer to get going than defense, defensive read and react, offense is timing and chemistry. So if this team can get off to a hot start with, you know, facing these teams that's going to have some offensive uh, issues, do you think this defense could be a potential top 10, maybe top five defense with that? extra COVID situation going on. Brian, I go to you first and I go to you, dude. Um, I expect this defense, I expect this defense to be um, no less than top 10. I'm, I'm hoping for top seven, top five, that's hope, but no less than top 10, just on the pressure alone. The pressure alone is going to give us the ability to run the ball more, not have to run the ball more because we know that, um, Rivera has some exotic run schemes also. But the running game's not going to be an afterthought. And on top of that, this team always had some talent. We just never game plan. We never, ever game plan because Jay Green didn't know how to game plan. I keep telling people, I think when it's all said and done, you're going to see that we had some historically bad head coaching. Because the turnover of the team wasn't that heavy. Let's be clear. We lost a Hall of Fame left tackle. You know what I'm saying? We're, but other than that, we have pretty much the same team we had last year. We didn't have any huge free agent acquisitions. We got some draft picks, but I think you're going to see that a lot of these people who were here the last few years losing because they were doing all they could with all they had are going to surprise people, and we're going to know where the problem was. A guy who's a great coordinator, has a great scheme, but doesn't know how to use his own scheme the right way. I, I can't even put that word great in front of him, Hurt. I can't, he was good in Cincinnati. I can't give him great, and I feel like he was good because Marvin Lewis reined him in and made him run the ball and keep more balance in the offense. I never, I never considered Jay Gruden great, but you know. You know what, yeah. I, 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 I can see that point. <laughs> yeah, you know how I feel about Jay. Uh, dude's your name. How, how do you uh, feel the same question? You know, I've been talking about this since, uh, you know, Ron Marinelli's, Rod Marinelli's defense in Dallas. Um, it's all I need, all I need to say there. They had, they have had and historically have had guys who are not great at corner and safety. They've had that problem and Jerry refuses to draft guys for that. But their front seven getting after guys consistently they got after guys consistently when their offensive coordinator their head coach would run the football correctly and allow things to organically happen in the passing game you saw that fail when and that's going to happen to any football team when they get unbalanced and they don't have that success with the passing game and they get behind etc so I, i'm with hurt on this there's no ifs ands or buts that this team could be top 10 Dallas has been top 10 easy, easy over the past 10 years, at least consistently. Why? Because they got big boys up front and know how to scheme for those boys up front. And those boys up front, they what they had one or two guys that were like studs. The rest of the guys are complimentary guys, but they work within the system because you know and you scheme up ways to get those guys loose to do what? Exactly what Hurt said. Put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, it's it's a it's a cliche saying, but pressure bust pipes, baby. That's what happens. <laughs> Amen. Gary looked so much better 
when your front seven is getting after it and you don't need studs back there to get the job done, but you do need guys that can get it done up front and you, but you don't need studs there. This team has studs, potential studs that have proven it in college and they have studs that have proven it here. They just have to be scheme, right? And poor coaching has been a problem. And I think just like Hurt said, you, we're going to see that the talent has always been on this roster. The coaching has not even been subpar. It's been quite putrid because <laughs> game plans are basically dog crap. Oh, you know, how many times oh, we talked about that? But let's get ready to wrap up. Is uh, got to get the hockey talk. I know Dujanae, you got some stuff. I know Hurt, you probably got some stuff. But parting, parting, final question, Dujanae. I go to you first, and I go to you, Hurt. And uh, you can give your shout out to where they can find you right after you give your answer. Um, what did what do you see for this team? Not say I'm, I don't know. I'm not going to say final record, but do you see them at least finishing? You know, not finishing dead last, maybe even giving some competition for the NFC East crown. Or where do you see this team uh, finding itself at the end of the season with Ron Rivera, this youth movement, and actually, like you say, having a game plan and, and a true coach in this position? See, I'm I see them nine and seven, one game out of the playoffs. Nine and seven, one game out of the playoffs. That's where I see them. Um, they will not finish the NFC East last. Uh, that will go to the Giants once again. Um, and honestly, I think they also finish above the Eagles. I think this is Dallas's division to lose. I think the Redskins and the Eagles fight for second and third. Giants way in the back. All right, let them know where they can find you at Hurting, dude. I know the season starts, so go ahead and get your plug in, brother. Look, man, I I don't even know where to find myself right now. <laughs> Y'all probably want to see me on Sports in the Hill more. You see me doing my thing. Look, follow the page Hurts House on Facebook. I will be doing some pop-up podcasts um, as the season goes on, as breaking news happens. I will be giving my hot take on things. But that's about it, man. Just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging back. I'm hanging back. Look, look, Sports right. on the Hill took the reins of sports. And I'm able to sit back and, and talk about things that I want to talk about a little bit more. Because. Sounds good, brother. You know, you always welcome on Monday nights. You know, if you want to call in, you know, Monday night, you know, after Jordan, when the season started, and give your critique. If we can get me, you, and Dujan every week, bro, we're going to get these D.C. sports media run for their money. Because I know we put hey. out better content than they got. Make sure you guys enter the Hertz House Pick'em. Make sure you enter the Pick'em. I'm gonna post it again on my Facebook fresh, and I'm also gonna post it on the Hertz House page fresh. The link to the Pick'em. Make sure you hey, get on it. No doubt, yeah, I did the fantasy football draft. It was kind of hard because I was doing a show live and I kept on missing my damn draft pick, but I got an interesting team. I'm not saying I'm gonna take you out, but I'm a damn sure give y'all a run for it like I did last I, I like night. your team. I like your team better than some of my uh, regulars. I like your team a lot. Hey, man, appreciate it, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I haven't dibble-dabbled in fantasy as much as I used to, but uh, you got me back into it, so I'm definitely going to try to do my best and uh, bring pride from Sports on the Hill podcast to the Hertz House Invitation. Those you don't know, uh, CP3 took over uh, a team last year. I, I, I made the mistake of letting a millennial into my <laughs> fantasy league because he, he talked me to death about how he would come in and dominate. And in true millennial form, uh, four games into the season, he was one in three and he was like, I just, I'm just not going to, I'm, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> and CP3 took over his team and almost made the playoffs. Went from one in four to uh, tied to get into the playoffs and lost by a tiebreaker. 
I tried, man. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate the opportunity and love having you on tonight, man. You have a good night, and we definitely got to chop it up some more because we got some stuff to talk about, man. We just got to absolutely need some time. I know we both been busy. Dujane, uh, let the folks know where they can find you at and your final thoughts on this team. Uh, you know, how do you see this team falling out this year? Um, I, I, I like what Hurt said. I'm not, I don't think that's possible, but I think it's potential because the way the season's rolled out. Um, you know, everybody's coming in fresh. Everybody doesn't really know what anybody else is doing. And I think there's some things that this team can do uh, that they can probably sneak up on some people and surprise them. Um, I'm going with a seven uh, win season. Um, it's not going to be a bad season, though. I think when you say seven wins, people are like, oh, it's just the same old, same old. But I think you're going to really see a team that's competing, that knows what it's doing. You're going to see a football team that functions. You know, we these fans talk about all the other teams that they see that look like a competent football team. And I think you're going to see a competent football team that's hungry, that's learning together, looking and trying to find a way to win together. Um, I, I do like what Hurt said, though. I think that that nine win is a possibility. Because I think with uh, just like the NBA, um, you know, this whole thing of not having preseason games and not having, uh, you know, any game film until, you know, people won't really start getting a gauge on what people are doing until like week, what, three or four, maybe. Um, depending upon how you roll out, you may can run two or three plays. If they're working, you may just beat them over the head with it until they stop it. So you don't have to dig too deep into your playbook until late. So um, that is definitely a possibility. But I'm going to go with seven wins but I think you're going to see a very good, respectable football team. Um, you can find the podcast on all, uh, you know, podcasting platforms, the breakdown. We will be changing the logo, adding my co-host, Karita Parks. It's been an awesome uh, change to that. Uh, she's added a whole lot to this game, and uh, she helps me and makes me look good. Uh, you also can find me on Not Bland 21 on everything. And uh, Hurt, I'll be looking for that. Always have fun in your Pick'em League, and uh, I'll be definitely entering it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Appreciate you taking looking the time. Looking forward to it, bro. Short time, but I appreciate it. Fuck, what you said you say hurt? I said looking forward to it. No doubt, no doubt. Well, I appreciate y'all two taking the time out and uh, making this a great uh, pre-week one football segment. So uh, I was supposed, I was going to get into the practice squad players, but all right, uh, we'll talk about that next time if they get called up. Y'all have a good night, man. Appreciate it as always, man. Great episode, man. Love y'all. Love y'all. Thank you. All right, Robbie G, I see you back on the feed. That means we probably ready for some hockey talk. So let me get ready to switch up my graphics. My my uh, software then uh, started acting up a little bit, Robbie. So you go ahead and take over. I'm going to make sure my feed's still going because I got a disturbing message coming across my screen. Thank you. Did you mute yourself, Robbie? <laughs> Yes, I never unmuted myself. Very good. Okay. <laughs> yes, we're, we're, now we're, we're back in form now. It hasn't been a show where Robbie has double muted himself <laughs> in a while. So I feel that comfortable now. Let me make there sure my feet still going and let you guys go ahead and start off. Sounds good. Yeah, no, um, uh, the game currently that we're watching, Tampa Bay is up three to one over the Islanders. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, I, I thought Tampa Bay is the better team, but the Islanders – I had an interesting week to get here. So I definitely want to break that down. Uh, we'll talk about how all of these teams made it to the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Uh, so uh, again, uh, the New York Islanders and Tampa Bay are the two teams that are in the East. Uh, now, last week, uh, Tampa Bay uh, had their last game and it happened during our podcast. 
and they ended up winning that game and then winning uh, their series pretty easily. Anna, what are some of your thoughts on uh, that series to start us off? Oh, I think that they definitely proved themselves. Uh, I don't know. I, ha- I honestly have to say that uh, I'm, I'm pulling for Tampa Bay during this series. I think that they, I think it's their time. Um, I don't say that lightly with a lot of teams, but I feel like they have uh, just a, I don't know. Uh, people were doubting because Stamkos was out that they weren't going to be able to do it. And it was like, come on, like he, he is a force on the team. He's fantastic, but the team has come together and they've done so great. Um, did I expect that series to end so quickly? I don't know. <laughs> I think that, you know, now, now they've had a week off uh, going in. So I'm like, does that, like, if that was the Capitals, that would never work in their favor. <laughs> like they, it's been pretty good for the first period so yeah. far in this game. I was worried about that too. So I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah. So, you, you know, you just don't know, but I think that they have a strong team and I think that they're going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah. The Islanders have got to be tired. I wonder when Tampa Bay made it to Edmonton, right? I, I don't know when that happened, but I, I assume that it was long before the Islanders did because yeah. they knew that that's where they were going. There was some talk that if the Islanders series went quick, they could have one of the games on the other uh, bubble, but that obviously didn't happen with the current right. seven. Uh, so I, I wonder if jet lag and them being more adjusted to Edmonton could have helped them uh, versus the Islanders that obviously had to play just a couple of days ago in a different right. bubble. And uh, you just said that I means like, and then you think, okay, well, then are the Islanders riding off a adrenaline high, and you know they they feel great and everything is being, you know like everything is going to work in their favor. Tampa Bay's had a week off, so then they get a chance to rest. So it's like, you, you just don't know, which is why, you know, the playoffs are so exciting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brian, what did you, do you have any thoughts on the Tampa Bay Boston hey, series? Hey, Anna. Um, yeah, I thought this was, um, you know, I was a little surprised that they wrapped it up so easily. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is a great team, even without Stamkos, like you said. So, um, yeah, they've, I've really been impressed with what they've done so far. I'd say of the two teams, uh, for if I had to pick two teams left in the playoffs that I've been most impressed by, it's probably Vegas and Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, I know Vegas got taken to seven games in their last series, but they've looked like the two strongest teams, honestly. I think that's where we could be heading towards a cup final matchup, honestly. But, um, yeah, Tampa's a great team. I, I mean, I'm not too surprised the Bruins didn't go too far, honestly. When they, uh, when they lost Tuca, I thought that was a huge loss for them. And um, I know Halak is good, but asking him to be as good as Tuca Rask is a big ask for sure. And um, it was just never going to happen, I think, for them. So I'm not too surprised Tampa Bay won, especially uh, how easily they did it. For sure. Um, I'll go to Carol. What are some of your thoughts on uh, Tampa Bay so easily dispatching of uh, Boston? Uh, well, we talked about how uh... – offensively and defensively skilled they are as long as they're playing their game. Uh, I'm not really too surprised about what they can do offensively. We see now they are 3-1 in the uh, first period against the Islanders who've been playing some stifling defense of their own to get to the conference finals. And uh, this team is talented. They're hungry. They uh, We talked about the window that they had, you know, winning the President's Trophy two years in a row and not making it to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, so I, I wasn't really shocked by it. And like you mentioned with Ras going out, I feel like, you know, Boston, you know, it was a Cinderella story that basically, you know, bubble got burst by a team that was more talented and, you yeah. know, wanted to get, wanted to go hungry to, you know, get to that next level because they 
you know, they know they have the potential. They know they haven't put it together. Like we talked about with the old capital teams before they won the cup, the potential was there. The scoring was there. They actually had better defense than the capital had before they got the cup. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't really surprised by the outcome of that, of that game. Yeah, I wasn't either. Uh, I, I definitely think Tampa Bay is the best team, but I was really impressed with the Islanders and their run uh, to get here, especially going through a tough team. A lot of us in this panel thought that Philadelphia was the best team coming out of sort of that round robin <laughs> weird situation uh, yeah. that started this just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it seems like a long time ago in some ways now. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Anna, talk about this series a little bit. I know you were kind of rooting a little bit uh, for Philadelphia. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on uh, how that series went down and them almost coming back, you know? Yeah, it, it, that was one of those, uh, that was a hard statement to make, but I, I was okay with it. Uh, but like we said, so when we started off the show last week, we had going into the series a, a lot of 3-1 um, and thought, okay, you know, could are any of these games to go to game seven? And how awesome was this last week, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, so game five, you do have the Flyers win in overtime in a 4-3, um, which you know, I think that was starting to show the fans and, and everybody like this is who that number one seed is like this. This is who they are and they, they have it in them. So don't count them out. Um, game six for me was a little like heartwarming when you have Oscar Limbaugh come out on the on the ice and both teams acknowledging and stick taps and everything for him returning uh was just that just made it a really fantastic game uh and they win in double overtime 5-4 and so now they're tied uh but i don't know what happened <laughs> game seven uh it it just really went from like all right this is gonna be amazing to a four nothing shutout uh they just collapsed and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit, but you know what, when you have an Islanders team with a lineup with a, a Brock Nelson, who I still think sounds like a porn name, but whatever. <laughs> um, Barzell, Beauvillier, Pajet. I mean, like you have all these great names and then all of a sudden you have a, a players on the other side where everyone's rooting for Oscar Lindbaum and then you have a Claude Giroux so I feel like it was you know it was like good matchup overall I was really surprised that the Flyers were shut out I was hoping for a little bit more but I will say Barry Trotz uber class act in the interview after the game um, talking about Oscar talking about his his uh, overcoming cancer and and everything that he's done and acknowledging the Flyers uh, team, it was really, it was genuine. And so, you know, you, you have to love a, a trot's classy moment like that. Sounds good. Uh, Brian, what are some of your thoughts on uh, that matchup? Yeah, great series. Another one that was three, one, and then went to seven. Um, you know, I wasn't particularly rooting for either team cause I don't really like either team, <laughs> but, um, you know, I have to give Barry trots a lot of credit for one move in particular, uh, in game seven, he switched his goalie from Varlamov mm -hmm. to Thomas Grice, which couldn't have been an easy decision. Varlamov played really well in the Capital Series, as you guys remember, and played really well in their um, games the Islanders won. So um, definitely not an easy decision. It's kind of like, you know, you know, if you, if you 
make the switch and he wins, that's amazing. But, you know, what if you make the switch and you lose? You're left wondering, would Varlamov have won the game? Uh, luckily, it ended up being a great decision for Barry Trotz. He deserves all the credit in the world for making yeah. that switch. Uh, Thomas Grice was great in game seven. Yeah. And um, I have to, even as a Rangers fan, I have to give credit to the Islanders. You know, first time in the conference final since 1993 at such a long, that was the longest conference finals drought in the NHL. I mean, what a long time to go without being in the conference finals for such a storied team that won four Stanley cups in the eighties. Um, they're the best sports team in New York right now. So good for them for all the success that they've had. Um, I don't know if it's going to continue against Tampa Bay, but they definitely deserve credit for beating the caps. They def- definitely deserve credit for hey, being no. Philly. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, you, know, you know what I mean. You know what I, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, but I'm just saying, like, it's, been a, it's been a great season for the Islanders. They, um, yeah. it's, they have a lot to be proud of. Yeah, for sure. Carol, what are some of your thoughts on it? Uh, well, like I, like he's, like I said, I, I'm rooting for the Islanders to win it all just for the Barry Trotz factor. I know uh, – Anna doesn't like the clutterbuck factor, but uh, unfortunately, I got to put trots over clutterbuck. But uh, yeah. it, they're Only they're thing over clutterbuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when they uh, when they're playing their game, like we we saw with the Capitals when Trotz was here, when they're locked in and playing their style of hockey, it's it's very hard to beat them, especially when they get a lead. And yeah. their their defense and their speed and youth and tenacity. Um, right now isn't paying off being down 3-1, but, you know, we've seen this team, uh, we mentioned in the Philly series when they were down 3 nothing after the first period and we were able to force overtime. They still took the loss, but we know this team is a resilient bunch, and uh, I don't think this game is over. I think this is going to be a good series. I think it it could go seven, I'm thinking, yeah. Islanders and Tampa Bay, just to, you know, just because of the talent and the want and the way these two teams are going to go at it. But uh, the Islanders, uh, it was kind of a – you know, I'm not going to say shock, but, you know, Philly was playing some great hockey also. And to see the Islanders be able to come in there and close it out in that fashion uh, just, you know, makes me feel a little bit better about my prediction and think hopefully the Islanders can take the whole thing for my man, Barry Trotz. Yeah, I think Tampa Bay is going to win it in six, but I think it's going to be a good series, right? So I, um, I think that the Islanders will win two in there. I think Barry Trotz is a good enough uh, coach, but I just think that Tampa Bay – uh, they're just too good on, at least on paper. Like they're just, they've got mm-hmm. so much skill. And uh, I, I do wonder if, uh, did, I'm curious if Stamkos made this bubble, right? That'd be an interesting thing to know. I, yeah. I haven't seen anything about it yet. Uh, I don't know anything, whether or not he could even play in a future game or if he could play in a Stanley Cup final game, if he made it that far. Yeah. Uh, those are things that I wish that they would disclose, but I have not seen anything. I'll be honest. I was curious. Um, as far as I know, he, well, he's out for this series for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what that means going to, forward. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because uh, I didn't think that Tampa Bay would be this good without him. Uh, right. But they are. And, uh, but the Islanders play this suffocating defense. I think that that's really what happened in that game seven against Philadelphia. Philadelphia just sort of saw what Barry Trotz can do. And it, he attacks you with this sort of style and he does it three games in a row. And you might be able to beat him twice, but the likelihood of you doing that three times to right. that defense, it's hard as they it saw. And, and I, and I, a hundred percent agree with you. And I think that it, it is, what the Islanders have in their favor is that they, they close out games and they play their 60 minutes and then they play OT if they need to, like 
there's no stopping. So he's been fantastic. Um, but there is something about that third line that um, I've become kind of a favorite of Blake Coleman <laughs> and uh, Barkley Goodrow. And uh, they've just been dominant on the, on the Tampa Bay end of things. So it's like, I, I kind of would like to see I, I want to see, you know, it's a good balance. There isn't like one that we're going in, it's a, it's a shoe in. I think it's going to be, I see a game seven, um, but, I, but I do think it's going to be Tampa Bay. Right. Brian, what, what was your thought on uh, how do you think the uh, series will go? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking Tampa Bay in either six or seven. Um, like you guys have said, I think this is a good matchup for sure, but Tampa Bay is just overall the stronger team. It's been a great run by the Islanders. You have to remember, they had to play a play-in series against Florida to even get to, get to this point. So they've technically already played three series already. So they've got to be tired. Plus they've just made the jump to Edmonton already. So I don't know. It could, it could They could just be tired at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay in the series. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if it's kind of like what happened with the LA uh, series where LA yeah, had like a long break and it was just a, a weird timing situation where, like, I'd be curious if in a game two, because I, I do think that this game is going to go Tampa Bay's way. I think they might come back and make it a little close, but I do mm-hmm. think it will go Tampa Bay's way. But I wouldn't be surprised if the, I, if the Islanders come back and win game two. So yeah. I'm not, you know, and, um, and I just, <laughs> yeah, it could be, right. I, I just think that eventually Tampa Bay is just going to be the better team and it's going to, you know, win out. But um but we'll see. Just because we talked about last week, I like that sort of the building, the pedigree that Tampa Bay two years ago could have won yeah. them last year. And, you know, that it's been gunning for a long time. But, you know, Barry Trotz's defense is pretty tough. But it's also tough to win three times in a row, as been seen. You know, all these games got pushed to seven. But as we saw, uh, you know, in the Stars game, you know, series, for example, you know, they were up then lost two games in a row, mm-hmm. but eventually lost. And the same thing happened in the Vegas one, right? So right. it's really hard to win three in a row uh, in that sort of situation, you know, do or die. Um, I was impressed that they, all these series were able to win two, but let's talk about them for a second. Uh, that stars um, against uh, Colorado series. Anna, yeah. what, were some, what were some of your thoughts on it? Uh, I was really, really pulling for the avalanche on this one. Um, just, I don't know. I felt like it would, it has nothing to do with Barakowski. Uh, Carol and I are on that right there. Um, if Groove showed Hour up again, was, though. He <laughs> yeah. showed up again. I, 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 like, that's clutch player in the league. Disgustingly <laughs> amount, you know, like really freaking good. I know. Yeah. I was like, but you know what? I think he just needed to leave the caps, start fresh, and, and show his skill, whatever. Um, but I will say, uh, watching game five, uh, to see the avalanche come back six, three was, was such great momentum. It was just like, okay, here we go. You have two injured goalies and you put in Michael Hutchinson and he has kicked ass in this series. And I was, you're a third string and it's, and it's, so it's like, you have Barakasi scoring twice. You have McKenna scoring, like you have all of your, players that you want to see score scoring and doing exactly what they're supposed to do um and then good goaltending so i was i was ready for this series to kind of go the avalanche way but 
That's okay. Really exciting one though. Did overtime. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, and just to have three different goal scorers have two goals going into overtime, and the question marks of <laughs> one of those three do it and finish the hat trick and I, end a spectacular game seven, and then it happens, and it's <laughs> somebody, and it hasn't happened since Wayne Gretzky did it. You know, so it's just like wow, what a you know, way for that series to end. Uh, Carol, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, pretty much that that summed it up. I didn't get a chance to keep up close eye on this one, but I know that the, uh, I did see that the guy that had the rookie that had the hat trick was the first NHL, uh, first rookie to get a hat trick in a game seven. So, you know, all the analytics they got. So I didn't get a chance to really play close attention in this series. Uh, but uh, I know Anna was, you know, <laughs> rooting for it for a <laughs> But unfortunately, you know, I didn't go their way. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I just think of the experience of the Golden Knights, even though they're only, three years in existence, just the combined experience from all the players that they have is what uh, gave them the determinant factor against this young, hungry team that get that pushed them to game seven. Yeah, Anna, what were some of your thoughts on that Golden Knights series? Oh, some of my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I hate, all right, so we're gonna, so are we not, we're not gonna talk about Avalanche anymore. We're gonna move on to the Canucks Knights. Uh, sure. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I think we, I mean, unless there's something else that you specifically wanted to talk about. For me, it was kind know. of the tell the two cities with both of them, you know, the experience of the other team just, you know, won out. So that's why I kind of did the segue to that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And that, but honestly, that the rookie with the hat trick, you kind of can't help but just love the player. I mean, it's like in, in the um, regular season, 11 games, he had like, one goal, no assists, or one assist, no goal, whatever it was. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he gets a hat trick and he wins the overtime for the start. You know, it's just like, that's the kind of stuff that you absolutely love to hear about. Um, but as for Vancouver and the Knights, uh, wow, can we just give hats off to um, Thatcher Demko? I mean, you can't, you can't not acknowledge what a fantastic uh, goalie um 43 saves and game five I don't know like I'm so torn because like I I I shouldn't say I'm torn I don't want Vegas to to continue we all know that but I will say that I well, well documented right? <laughs> and, I, and I kept it PC you know come on now um but I will say there's something I had I have a soft spot and an admiration for um their goalie not flurry for uh now i've heard it said lanier lanier yeah I mean, it's like all these different but god he's just you know he has really really impressed me and i will say kind of in a non-hockey um platform he's been very open about the mental health aspect of things i think he has bipolar and he's been very open about it and i, I kind of appreciate the fact that he's bringing that to you know, to a platform that some of these players are like, okay, hey, we can talk about this. But he has been absolutely fantastic. And I know when they put uh, Flurry in last night, I wasn't surprised because, I mean, God, the, <laughs> he needed, Robin needed a break after what he did. Uh, but I wasn't impressed with, with Flurry. I don't know. He just didn't seem to be that stellar goalie that we were so used to. But, anyways, I know we're, get, I got off topic with, talking about last night's game. Um, I know, I'm like, I feel like I'm like all over the place right now. 
No, you're fine. I guess we we, we got to get into <laughs> we got to get into that series anyway. So I mean, it's yeah. not a, it's not a bad segue. I I just um, yeah, I was bummed. Obviously, we were all rooting against the Golden Knights just because I thought I like the story of Vancouver, but yeah. Vancouver plays some not great hockey at times either. So I don't know how exciting that would have been. Like right. go, Golden Knights versus Stars does have glitz and glamour to it. You know, yeah. it's sort of like. I was surprised sort of segueing into that game, uh, how low scoring it was knowing how high powered both of those offenses are, but it mm. also shows how great, uh, you know, both of the goaltenders are in addition to that. So, I mean, I, I do, I mean, even though Flurry didn't have a great game, I mean, he only let in one goal, right? Wasn't it one, nothing. Yeah. It was, no. but there's, there's something that just seemed, he just seemed off for some reason, just uh, watching him like certain Certain things that's like shots that should have been uh, a little bit more, you know, uh, I guess easier for him didn't seem as easy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Not saying that, you know, he's obviously has a record of outstanding, um, you know, statistics and everything else when it comes to, to especially playing in playoffs and things like that. So I understand why he's there, but. And, and to come in after the agent and all those issues yeah, that we oh talked about earlier in the playoffs. <laughs> so so like, yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed that all that circus that I thought would doom them, you know, you know, really didn't, I'm happy they lost the one game that Ryan Reeves sat a suspension oh. out for. I know Anna, you thought that it should be more. I agree. I mean, the hit for other players may yeah. not have been deemed more than one game, but he's got a history. And yeah. I think that just yeah. because of all the black lives matter stuff, he got a pass this time. And I hate yep. to say that, but I really feel that way because it's his a, hit and his double standard and him going for the head. If, yeah. if it was, if it was Tom Wilson, Tom he would have gotten five games. Like, yeah, he would have been out for the series. Bullshit. Like, uh, and I'm like, he has a history of doing shit like this. And they were like, oh, one game. And I'm like, it's not a one game. He went up and <laughs> through the guy. Yeah. Like, I, is it just not three games this, this playoffs? Cause I mean, it seems like they're giving a less harsh penalty for the bubble playoffs than they have in previous years. And right. we're going to try to compare the same hit across years and years past. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the deal is. I thought he should have gotten three games, just like anybody else that levels that exact same hit. Yeah. Uh, I know that Golden Knights fans are like, oh, it's just a regular hockey hit. I'm like, well, no, I disagree. No. But I mean, if they're trying to take head hunting out of the game, then you got to give that three games every time. Well, and, and my biggest argument, and there's been a lot of social media arguments with myself and other hockey fans out there um, when it comes to Ryan Reeves, I will say that what frustrated me the most was like, okay, one game um, should have been three because as he's a repeat offender. This isn't, this isn't as if like, oh, this happened and you know he hasn't done this in six months. He did this in the postseason. It's like, give me a flip and break. Like a couple weeks, same thing. And there was nothing. And so like, that's, it's just infuriating. And he leads the NHL in um, hits. <laughs> it's like, come on, that record has to speak volumes. And I think that's what happened with Tommy was, you know, they looked at his record. They looked at the, his um penalty minutes they looked at that you know everything else and they finally said okay enough's enough and you're out yeah Carol, this what you... is absolutely ridiculous so yeah carol what's <laughs> what, what's <laughs> you? I, I didn't see i didn't even uh like i said i've been in baseball world and doing some other stuff so i didn't even see the hit uh that you guys are talking about but uh i know he's a definite uh repeat offender he 
just like they say about Tommy that he pushes the line. Well, I say he, you know, pushes the line. They say he's a dirty player. I consider Ryan Reeves a, a dirtier player than Tom Wilson. And yes. uh, I don't know about the Black Lives Matter having anything with the suspension or whatever it is, but I mean, it, it, like you say, if he's head hunting and hitting people in the head, he deserves the three game suspension. Like I said, I didn't yeah. uh, see the hit or see uh, most of that series, um, but um, it is a head scratcher. Cause like you said, if it was Tom Wilson, it would have been three, five, maybe thrown out for the rest of the playoffs because yeah. of his so-called reputation. But uh, yeah, I, I, normally hockey does a good job with consistent consistency. Uh, it may be something with the bubble. I don't know, but yeah, consistency is the key. If you're trying to take a head hunting out of the game, just like they're doing in football, excuse me, you have to penalize these players properly. And uh, as a, from the way you guys are describing this hit, it sounds like it should have been a three-game suspension. And I'm not sure why it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I don't, Brian, did you were you able to see any of that hit? No, I didn't, but. Um... Ryan Reeves, his reputation is well known around the league, so I can I can only Gosh. imagine I can only imagine what it was like. And um, I agree. I, I, even though I'm not a Caps fan, I do agree. Ryan Reeves is a dirtier player than Tom Wilson. Uh, <laughs> All right, I like that. There yeah. you go. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I'm not it. saying Tom Wilson's clean, but I'm I'm yeah. saying that we'll take um, it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Stop yeah. talking. I don't. I don't see Tom as dirty at all. I see him, you know, maybe pushing the envelope. But you know, some of his hits in his early career, leaving his feet. Okay, I can get that. That's not really dirty in my mind. Right. To me, there's never really been anything where he's gone out there intentionally trying to hurt someone. And, and I'll, I'll put it this way: in this hit, I don't think he was intentionally trying to hurt him. But the thing was, he still skated through him, leveled his shoulder up and through the head. Yeah. And so it, it and you know the guy you know, went off, you know, it's all the same protocols, you know, and that's why I just don't understand the consistency. And I would say across the board, they haven't given very long suspensions during this yeah. bubble playoffs. So that's where I'm speaking to. It's like that seemed to have gone out the window. Everyone seems to be getting one or two. I haven't heard of any three game suspensions, but we yeah. obviously in previous years have had them. I mean, it, they've it been loving be to do with the COVID in the bubble. So you might, you might be right. You might be on to something there, Robbie. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be interesting. Uh, they, they never spoke on it. They just don't really give much of an explanation. They gave even less of an explanation than they usually do on this one. So, um, you know, it leaves us head scratching. But hopefully uh, Vegas just gets swept and then it doesn't matter. And the, they just, you know. What's that? Uh, yeah, they that, go away. Right, they go away. <laughs> that's, that solves that problem. Um, I definitely. Dallas, man. Can't, I can't root for Dallas. I know. I, I struggle that with – we talked about this last week. Yeah. Three games in a row going to and losing to them. For me, they're like the hockey Cowboys, right? They have everything <laughs> from Dallas. They have a star. Like, they're just green versus blue. But, like, I don't – you know, like, for me, it's like one and the same. I'm sure the fans are the same. So, but like, I, feel, I feel like that the rookie who got the hat trick and um, I, I'm i sure I would butcher his name if I even tried to say it, but <laughs> – he's he's the reason why i'm like you know what yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna pull for dallas and i've i've always liked tyler sagan he doesn't bother me i think he is a player that um has a ton of skill and you know jamie ben and like eh. you know there's there's a couple of stars players i'm not completely happy with but i think that this little story i will take that versus um Vegas getting back to the finals. Yeah, so it's pretty much... Just yeah, Vegas in general. Right, so <laughs> I, I'm with you. We're rooting against Vegas whenever that happens at this yeah. point. So, I mean, um, the George McPhee factor also. I, I, as much yeah. turmoil he had here yeah. and not being able to put a winner together, I, I'm not ready for him to get a ring yet. Yeah, oh. yeah. And, 
Yeah, Smiley and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm not like, I don't hate them. Like I hate the Penguins or any of a lot of the division rivals, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anna definitely does, but you know, I will still for fun root against them. And yeah. I have a lot of family that lives in Texas and it's like one of the very few Texas teams I could probably root for at this point. So, yeah. um, you know, so I uh, will get behind that, you know, Brian, are you going to watch that West series? Do you have a, a rooting interest in it? Um, I don't have a rooting interest necessarily. I, I'll probably watch a little bit of it if there's, you know, you know, if there's NBA, if there's no NBA or anything on, or if like NBA is a blowout or something, and that and that Western Conference Finals is going on, I'll probably check it out. But <laughs> last um, resort, yeah, you know, it's, not, it's not high on my viewing priority. It's list. like seven, watch, you know, you got <laughs> soccer, you got <laughs> Yankees, you know, it's, on, it's, it's up there, so it's on that list somewhere. Right, it's on a on a sports list. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, would you probably more likely watch the Tampa Bay Islanders? Yes, yes, I'm gonna yeah. be keeping a close tabs on that series because I want to see how the New York team does. So even if it's not my team, I want to see how the New York team does in this series. So I'll be keeping a close tab for sure on the Islanders series. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I will mention uh, that the uh, basketball game is over. Um, it ended up still being a, a bit of a blowout with uh, Boston winning 111 to 89 over Toronto. So they take <laughs> a, a three games to two lead and they'll probably close it out in six, but we'll see if it takes them seven because so far, like the home team has lost every game, I believe. So yes. this game is supposedly a Boston home game, even though we all know that means nothing in basketball other than the color of the electronic scoreboards behind everything <laughs> and the different virtual fans that are being piped through, which I still love. Uh, I wish that hockey could have found a way to do oh, that. But, yeah. Yeah. but I, I don't know what hockey fans would do on virtual Zoom screens, you know, throughout the arena. So, you know. What are you trying to say? I don't know. So, so, so. Are, are you guys watching the uh, Eastern Conference game now? Because we just had an interesting play just happened that gives Tampa a 4-1 lead. Oh, uh, oh really? 4-1? Yeah, Tampa was coming down with an odd man rush. Uh, I'm not sure what the player was. We went. He uh, went to the right of the net, bottom all, uh, scooted to the right, and he did a little hook move with the space between bottom all skate and the net. Uh, bottom off, eventually he stopped it at the beginning, but the ricochet had went into the net, and a uh, Islander player had smacked it out. But they went to replay and looked at it at the next stoppage of play and saw that the puck did actually cross the line. So now wow. Tampa's up 4-1. Wow. Over, I thought it was a great a great save that Volomov made if it didn't score because he was so far out of position. Yeah. But, uh, oh, there it is. Got, there it is. Yeah. yeah. It was in the replay now, that was, yeah, it was a great play by Tampa. So Tampa might be uh, making a statement this first game. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So I think we've sort of broken down all of the uh, different hockey series and how we've got here. I'll give – each one of you guys kind of a, a final thoughts and then we'll sort of wrap up this podcast. Uh, Brian, I'll, I'll let you give your final thoughts first since you've been on for this entire wonderful show. I know uh, you didn't have much during <laughs> watching football talk, but you've been no. here for watching the whole thing. Uh, any final thoughts uh, from you? And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, no, just thank you for having me. Uh, looking forward to next week and uh Hopefully, on a, for me personally, hopefully the Yankees start playing better than they played the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> it's not been pretty. So hopefully they turn things around. They're off to a good start tonight. They're up 6-2. Uh, cool. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Who are they playing? The Toronto Blue Jays. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Brian. All right. Anna, yeah, no problem. Um, 
I, I know that you guys aren't really recording uh, shows. I know that Gil did put something up with his goalie or his uh, coach thoughts, coach right? Thoughts, his coach, yeah. yeah, it's coach thoughts. Um, so you can probably catch that on our, um, uh, if you go to sportsothp.com, click PowerPlay Point Podcast. You can listen to Gil's thoughts on that. Uh, did you have any additional thoughts on the uh, Caps coaching situation? I know they've interviewed some of those big names that we had been talking I about. I know. Um, uh, probably why I wasn't on Gil's show is because he's so much more knowledgeable about all of that. I, again, like I wasn't pulling for Babcock, but um, we'll see what happens. I, I think at this point, they're going to definitely be looking for that veteran coach who obviously has a little more fire in him than Todd Reardon did. So at this point, it's, I guess it's a, a win-win regardless of whom, whomever they choose. I think any of those three big names that we've been talking Huge. about um, would have that fire and they've yeah. been there and they've proved it in the past, you know, been consistent playoff winners and, um, you know, have that pedigree to, you know, be there for cups. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, I don't think, honestly, I think they'll probably go right with any of the three, hopefully, you know, we just got to get, the, you know, that bottom six short up and try to figure out how to stay under this, uh, you know, very tight uh, cap window that we've right. got and uh, and stuff like that. But any final thoughts and anything you want to shout out before we let you go? Uh, pulling for the stars and pulling for Tampa Bay. I'm, I think it'll be good. I think this is the, it's fun hockey. And then when I look at the schedule, I'm like, it's like every night this week. <laughs> so there's a game at eight o'clock. So uh, that's awesome. So yeah, I start school tomorrow. We'll see how this whole uh, Fairfax County 2021 virtual school year kicks off but we were prepared better than we were back in april Good. and uh, I'm, happy, I'm happy to hear that i know you know i work for a school as well and it's a it's a tough time we started back last week we did a, a virtual welcome and you know they've been yeah. doing virtual classes and it's very weird because usually i'm there filming all the ceremonies and making all these videos and here yeah. i am like cutting virtual footage together and we're putting <laughs> right. you know backgrounds and you know it's just a very different world that we live it is, in and, uh, uh, it's it's crazy and you know that i'm not a computer person uh whatsoever <laughs> so i had to do a virtual uh google classroom and uh, was absolutely amazed when someone sent me um this like bitmoji classroom there's like a 137 slides or something i could look through on how to you know design my classroom with a bookshelf and a coffee mug or this or that I'm fascinated by the people who could do that, but yeah. So I sent up some. I set up something <laughs> very generic, but I'm okay with it. And I'm like, at least the avatar looks like me. I think. <laughs> so nice. We'll see. You have to uh, offline. You have to send me a screenshot. So yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you, Anna, as always, and we'll have you on back next week to talk about these uh, conference finals. Absolutely. And take care. See you, Robbie. Bye, Carol. Bye, right, and have a good night. Appreciate you it. You all right, sounds good. Oh, all boy. right, full show, Robbie. Full show. We got, we got it, it all in yeah. about two hours and fifteen minutes. I had a couple of technical issues on my side. I was watching my YouTube feed. I started it back up for the hockey. If you're watching on Periscope, uh, it stayed going. I like that uh, new Periscope feed. You know, it uh, you know, gives me a little bit of flexibility. But uh, just uh, oh yeah, to give the final score, the Nets were able to win tonight against Tampa Bay six one. Uh, Max Scherzer went seven innings, earning his fourth uh, fourth win of the season. Uh, he didn't give up any runs. It was a late run they gave up from the bullpen. I uh, didn't really look at the box score or anything, but uh, 
at least the Nats have won three out of four, you know, try to be optimistic. You know, like we said, they wanted to go on a hell of a hot streak to get back into the wild card playoff race. But, you know, it ain't over till it's over. We saw how bad they were in last year at a certain point in the season and improved. So uh, we can always still hope and wish, even though it's a it's a far-fetched uh, hope. But, hey, we can always hope that they can get a chance to defend their title. And just root for, the, for them for every game we've got. You know, they could have just not had a season. So even if we only get 60 games this year, let's just enjoy 60 games of baseball because it's going to be a bit until we get some more. So, you know, it's uh, – I'm happy just to have it on, you know, it's even if it's right now, I'm watching a basketball and hockey playoffs, but it's, it's been awesome to be able to flip it and just to be able to show Zach as he gets older, you know, baseball, he's so into baseball right now. And mm-hmm. so it's just, I'm, I'm happy that you know, win or lose that I can at least, you know, show him a little bit more of that. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. It is good to, you know, have some sports after going that four month law without any sports whatsoever. So yeah, I can't be, you know, too upset, you know, like I said, they're not playing the best ball and not getting the consistent pitching. They have some injuries and yada, yada, yada. But at least we're able to watch some baseball. And they've been pretty safe with the corona stuff. You know, we had the Juan Soto earlier this season, but ever since then, it's been pretty clean. I haven't heard of any uh, uh, any mass incidents like we saw with Miami and a couple of other teams, uh, I believe it's the Cardinals. So apparently some of the protocols that they put in place has helped the uh, situation. Uh, we still give kudos to the NBA for doing their thing, and they're still coming up clean. Uh, we spoke about uh, football pre at the beginning of the 8 o'clock hour, so that's still going to see how that's going to pan out with all the physical contact and everything. And, oh, I forgot to mention during our football talk that the league and the NFLPA are going to continue doing daily tests on every day except for game day and to continue to try to make sure everyone stays safe. They agreed on that uh, last week. And hold on, I think it was something else I was supposed to mention. Where my clipboard go? Uh, Let's see. Uh, oh, quick segment. I mean, quick uh, little asterisk for the uh, Washington football team. Landon Collins will be wearing number 26 now, and Jimmy Moreland will be wearing number 20. If you know, uh, Landon Collins wore 20 uh, last year and he was with, when he was with the Giants, but he uh, gave his jersey number up to Jimmy Moreland. He'll be wearing 26 this year. So. That was something I was, I was supposed to mention in our football talk, but we had such a great segment where hurting dudes and age. I forgot to even mention it. But uh, Real quickly, we, before we go, I do want to ask you one quick question. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get on the record, all of our record for the Washington football team. I was not there for that segment. So Hurt said how many wins did he say? Yeah, Hurt said nine. Dude right. said seven with the possibility of nine. He saw, you know, the window of Hurt, uh, but he uh, said seven. I'm going to stick – I'm going to play it safe and go eight and eight. Five. I, nice. I'm going with five wins. I know that's not very uh, optimistic, but I just think that there's going to be a lot of rebuilding. But I um, – but, but we'll, we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope we get ten. You know, <laughs> so – like, It's going to be a crazy season with the COVID, no preseason, and, you know, new scheme. You know, you got Haskins as the number one starter. He's coming in and has something to prove and build off of at the ending of last season. We – well documented his last seven games as starting quarterback. He definitely showed improvement. Uh, we saw him, you know, answer all the questions and all the challenges that Ron Rivera sent him, you know, to get in better shape, film study. And if you uh, if you don't follow him on Instagram, uh, you should because he has a lot of good content on there. And uh, they actually showed a, a segment when, they, when he was mic'd up and he made a bad throw that uh, turned into a, a turnover for the defense in practice. And you saw him going to the DB, asking what he saw, going to the wide receiver, you know, seeing what he saw, and then 
finally getting a critique from the quarterback's coach and he absorbed it all in. There was no, you know, pouting. There was no, you know, ill will. There wasn't angry at, you know, for them telling him stuff, but he's eager to learn. So that's definitely a good sign. And uh, with the, you know, preseason not happening and offense is trying to learn, I think that they're going to, with them being a, a passing on the backfield heavy team with Scott Turner's offense and, um, I think that's going to play to the advantage of them. And the defense is definitely going to be a strong suit, especially, like I said, with the stalemate or the low you're going to have from the offense with them not having preseason. So they can get off, if they can get off to a good start and, uh, you know, you never know what's the possibility, but I'll, I'll be stick with it on the safe side and go with eight and eight myself. Yeah, you've convinced me. I'll go with six. <laughs> <laughs> in a 10 minute span that, that, that's a huge move to go one game because he's only setting his way but it's definitely going to be interesting uh, uh sunday i'll be doing a on a part of a video shoot so there probably won't be a pre pre-game i hope they actually good enough to get a post game you know i'm gonna be did he oh it looked like the Adams almost scored on that power play it looked like it hit the, the crossbow yeah. So, uh, yeah. I definitely should be available for the pros game. If not, we'll just break it all down on Monday night. If we can get Dujanay and uh, Big Hurt, then, uh, you know, no big deal. And uh, I'll keep you posted on the uh, pre-season, uh, pre-game at uh, Martini's and see if that's still locked. Then I have to get with them. They had some difficulties with phase three uh, in PG County not opening up when they uh, when they say that Maryland will be going to phase three. Unfortunately, PG County is one of the counties that will not be going. So uh, things are a little bit up in there on that end, but you know you can catch the pregame and postgame show live. I'll be streaming it, especially when I get out of Facebook jail. That's another story. But, you know, we're going to have the best sports coverage around. PC sports without the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. Make sure you check out sportsothp.com. If you want the sportsothp apparel shirts, hit me up, inbox me. If you want the District of Champions shirt and pillow like Robbie got in his, in his, in his shot, Go to the website, sportsophp.com, click on the uh, Pearl uh, Clint, uh, link, and go ahead and order yours and help support the movement. Uh, got to give a quick shout-out before I get out of here to Eric Kusa. Got to shout-shout out before, pardon no I did before, but you got to rock the, you know, got some good quality apparel. Make sure you check them out there on IG also at ericusa.us. So check them out. Stay tuned for so much more. We got so much coming. Football season starting. We got hockey playoffs. We got basketball playoffs. And, you know, unfortunately, might have baseball playoffs, but the Nationals might not be in it. But we're going to keep our fingers crossed and see what they can do, if they can salvage this season and maybe get another late-season push and maybe get some more postseason magic. But, uh, right. Rob, you got any parting shots before we yeah, get sure. I'll, I'll do my uh, my parting shout-outs. Uh, we were on a podcast last week. You can check our, my page out if you want to uh, see anything more about that uh, with uh, Katara. So shout-outs to them. Uh, shout-outs to everybody that was on tonight's show. We had a busy, busy show. Uh, we actually had a six-person uh, NBA roundtable for the playoffs. That might be the largest we've ever had, especially on video. So uh, shout-outs to all the guys for coming through, and uh, it's been a really exciting NBA playoffs. We'll definitely, I think, keep about the same times next week. I, I liked how the show flowed. Uh, start off with some baseball, do some NBA talk. Uh, we'll talk about uh, how the Washington football team did against the Eagles, and then we'll get into some conference finals, NHL talk to end the show. It seemed to flow really nice tonight. I liked it. Uh, but shout outs to Anna and Brian for coming on for Hockey Talk and uh, Dujanae and uh, Big Hurt for joining us for that wonderful football talk uh, segment. 
And uh, yeah, I'm excited. And uh, hopefully I'll even be able to join you if we are able to do a post game show, maybe for a little bit. I may mute myself at times if uh, Zach's being a little too crazy, but uh, it, it, I hopefully we'll have a win. And if we win, I will definitely more likely want to be on if that is possible. So, you know, that's uh, we'll, we'll put it out that way. Sounds good. Sounds good. Like I said, I'll be out of Facebook jail in 15 days. So got to hold off until I can start getting my rock and roll on on Facebook again. But like I said, you can follow me on Periscope, Carol Porter the Third, Three Eyes. Same thing on YouTube, Carol Porter the Third with Three Eyes. Uh, stay tuned for so much more. DC Sports about the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. And we out. See you next week.